yes, yes. Back again, once again. No Chase Film Society, the podcast. Uh, appreciate y'all for dropping in with us for this number 12 episode. Number 12 with my guy, the head honcho. I'm going to go ahead and bring him in early. Big D. What's good, bro? What's happening with you, man? Nothing much. Just taking it day by day during this quarantine. Number 12. Tw- qu- exactly. Quarantine. <laughs> trapped in. A little bit. I'm kind of still at work, though. Yeah. Yeah, we we both kind of like alternating, you know, in my quarantine. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I just had a, a little altercation, verbal altercation with, with my supervisor about this shit. Uh, you know how, you know, I know about uh, altercations with uh, supervisors, so. Yeah. Yeah, I pretty much made it clear that, you know, because we're, we're in Georgia, you know, for those who don't know. But, um, yeah, I was watching the news, and, and I'm noticing that the damn cases in Georgia, particularly in Atlanta, are rising. Like, nothing is decreasing with this shit. So I made the call. I was like, listen, you know, I might be about ready to use that PTO time and uh, just ride this one out. Yeah. And, yeah, the conversation kind of went left from there. But anyway, uh, <laughs> No Chase Film Society, thank y'all for streaming. Appreciate y'all for the support. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there to everybody who's been rocking with us so far. You know, I don't really have too much knowledge of everybody, but um, everybody that does somewhat follow us, we appreciate the support, man. And please forgive us for the slight inconsistency. That, but one thing I can promise you that we will deliver these up to you. You know what I mean? We're gonna keep watching these movies. We're gonna keep talking this shit. We're gonna keep bringing these. Um, these vital topics and discussions from these movies to the forefront. That's what we're here for. So the consistency will improve. You know what I mean? It definitely will improve. I take responsibility for that. It's definitely not the incompetence of OTS or Derek by no means. Um, You know, Derek's relatively professional with this thing. So we, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just us, you know, it's just us doing and uh, mainly Derek, you know, mainly Derek, uh, I say the relatively part to be, you know, as a joke. I heard you get, I see you silence over there, D. I'm just messing with you, man. Derek is very professional. Hey, no, I'm good, man. I'm you good. Working with that relatively professional shit. I felt it. <laughs> <laughs> I felt that shit. What the fuck? <laughs> no, that was my dry sense of humor, bro. No, you right? good. You good. <laughs> but no, seriously though, man. Um, you know, th- this is this is a, a excellent brand that dude is building. I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm glad to have No Chase affiliated with it. And uh, I definitely commit to giving y'all some more uh, more content in a prompt manner. You know what I'm saying? But I just had to put that out there, D, because I didn't want nobody thinking it was an OTS thing. You uh, know? It's all good, bro. Things happen. We just we yeah. work with it. But we're here for number 12, though. We That's are definitely. here. Um, as y'all can see, we chopping it up today about uh, the Adam Sandler. I guess it's 2019. You know, this is the yeah. second 2019 movie. We've done so far, uh, back to back, I should say, because we talked about Queen and Slim, which came out last year, towards the end of last year. Um, this week, we're talking about uh, another 2019 um, film that got some buzz, actually, you know, for Adam Sandler. It didn't really pan out too much for him. Um, but we'll talk about that later. But yeah, Uncut Gems is what we're talking about today, as y'all see. So yeah, I look forward to getting into that a little later. But as we do about this time, uh, the big homie Derek and myself are going to chop it up a little bit, compare a few notes from the last time we talked, 
Uh, what's up, man? Shit. Man. What's up? I know you took in a lot of a lot of media during this quarantine time. Oh yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> I actually just finished um, what was that? Tiger King. It was a documentary on Netflix. Have you? I know you've heard of it. Tiger King. No, I haven't actually. Okay. There is, is a lot of people have been talking about it like over the last week or so. Um, it's a uh, um, very interesting. <laughs> this this story has so many twists and turns. I couldn't keep up with it at, at, uh, after a while. Um, but it's about a redneck down in Florida um, that owns tigers. And please watch it. That, that's all I have to say. Okay. I'm not. I'm not going to give anything away. I'm not going to say anything else about it. Where where is this found? At? It's on Netflix. Okay. When I tell you, I have not laughed that hard over a documentary ever. But it's a docu series, I should say. But I mean, okay. my owns, God. so this is a, a white guy in Florida. A white guy in Florida, and that I've seen tiger. his. I've seen his billboard driving down in Florida before too. Mm -hmm. I, I just never never really paid too much attention to it but man my guy is hilarious name uh what's his name joe um joe joe exotic mm -hmm. um that's the name he goes by hilarious guy you, you just you have to watch it um and then yeah. we can discuss about we can discuss that discuss it next time okay but cool. my god <laughs> that yeah. that is that is a really, really good docuseries. Um, probably one of the best ones that I've seen in a while. Mm -hmm. and I've seen some really good documentaries lately, but that was um, that was one of the best that I've seen in a long time. About how many parts is it? It's uh, seven episodes. Okay. Yeah, not long at all. It's, it's easy to digest, um, but it's, it's really, really good. All right. Yeah, yeah I'm going to check it out. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. I definitely took in one of your recommendations. Which uh, one? During this. Uh, Honey Boy. Oh, what'd you think? Honey Boy. It was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. You know, um, you know, it was a calm movie. You know, very simple movie. Mm -hmm. Didn't have didn't have a whole lot of bells and whistles, which is good. You know, yeah. I like those things. But uh, yeah, Shia LaBeouf, man, I definitely saw his. Um, I guess saw his. He put his soul in that. You know, I he definitely did. saw his soul in it. So um, yeah, I, I, I connected. I connected. It was a good movie. Yeah, I he's, enjoyed he's it. got a lot of range. And, I, yeah. and I, that's one thing that I didn't um, realize about him before um, was that he actually has range. And that was good yeah. to see. I, I didn't I couldn't tell um, if that was solely because of the story being his his story or if that was just because that's just his talent. But mm -hmm. I, I think by the time you, you uh, finish the movie, you can tell it's both. Right. Uh, the dude, dude is dude is really good. I want to see him in more. Uh, I, right. I hope, and I hope we do. I think that he has a he's de he definitely has a, a lane to explore as far as filmmaking, you know, as far as the writing. I, I know he didn't direct this one, yeah. But um, you know, he, this is his screenplay, and I definitely see that as as a lane he should explore more. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I liked it, you know. So yeah, much uh, much respect to him and what he put in with that. And I we recommend that one, Honey Boy. And I I believe it's an Amazon original, so you're only gonna find yeah. it on Amazon. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So y'all check that one out. Um, what else, man? Because I got a couple things that I came across. But what else did you see? Uh, what is the movie? What my notes said? Okay, Honey Boy. Let's talk about that. Uh, one I actually just finished uh, not too long before I uh, uh, came on to the to the podcast. 
um, was another one on Amazon called The Farewell. The Farewell. Who's in that? Yeah. It's a Chinese movie, actually, but it's um, it, it actually got a lot of American recognition okay. during the war season, I want to say, during the 2019 season. It got a little recognition. Um, for Aquafina, the, the young lady who was in... She's an actress that actually had an appearance in that movie. Another, I think this was a Japanese movie, though. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I got the two mixed up. But um, what was that called? Uh, the big, the, the Asian movie got a lot of attention last year. Oh, um, Parasite? No, not that one. That's the Korean one. Not that one. But it was another one right before that. It was more like a family movie type um, about a wedding. Oh. Um... Or something. Asians, crazy rich Asians. That's uh, it. That, the movie on Netflix. I was well, on, probably is on Netflix, but it was, it, it got a pretty big release. Okay. Down here. And, okay. and it, uh, that's another one that got a little award recognition. The Asians have been getting a little attention, man, over yeah. here in the States. You yeah. know, with Parasite, as you mentioned, um, and um, with the one I'm talking about, I'm referencing now, Crazy Rich Asians. I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, there was an actress in that film named Aquafina. Yeah, I've heard and of she's, her. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I believe she's Chinese. Okay. You know, I believe she's Chinese, but she stars in this one, which is called uh, The Farewell. Very good movie. I hate to even say it like that because I, I actually didn't want to talk too much about it or even get my hand away, which I did, but I guess I kind of can talk a little bit about it. Now, the reason why I didn't want to talk about it too much was because I actually was considering talking about it on the, on the podcast. I, I, it was a movie I was considering talking about. Crazy Rich Asians. Um, as far, no, no, no. Uh, the one I'm talking about now. Okay. Uh, the Farewell. Okay. The Farewell, yeah. Who, who, it stars an actress from, from Crazy Rich Asians. That's why I was bringing Crazy, oh, gotcha, crazy gotcha. Rich Asians yeah, yeah. up. Yeah, I'm getting tongue-tied with all this shit, man. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, cr- Crazy Rich Asians has a supporting performance, which is a very good one, from Aquafina, the actress okay. who stars in The Farewell. And... um. Yeah, it's a good movie. The Farewell I'm talking about. It's a good movie, man. You know, it's very emotional. Um, it deals with a lot of topics that I'm personally kind of dealing with in my personal life. So that could be why I connected with it because it, you know, deals with loss, you know, of a, of a loved one. Um, in this case, Aquafina, uh, I think her name is Billy in the film. Um, she plays a character who is um, pulled from her Chinese culture, from China, very young, mm-hmm. and it's moved to the States to the West by our parents. So it was, and it created a, a traumatic experience that we later discovered in the film okay. as far as her losing all of her Chinese. It's a very deep movie. I don't, I, don't, I didn't want to talk too much about it because I really think we should probably Let's do it. Um, have a discussion on it yeah. You know, after you see it. Yeah. But that's what I watched. It's called The Farewell. Um, it's pre- I don't want to say... Pre- it's, a, it's an interesting mix of subtitles in English because it's, it's, it's essentially a Chinese movie. It takes place in China. The okay. movie predominantly is in China um, because the character goes home from New York to China um, to visit family there. Mm-hmm. And you get a lot of subtitles, but you don't really feel it. Um, I didn't find it to be uncomfortable for the film. So if, if you're somewhat uncomfortable with subtitles, you might be able to get through this. You okay. might be able to get through this. But, um, yeah, I liked it, man. I, I, it's definitely worth a try. Oh, it's yeah. definitely worth a try. It's, it's got a very relatable story. And one of the things that really stuck out to me is something I want to discuss. So just check it out, man, and if, you know, then we'll determine if we want to add it to a, a feature presentation. Most definitely, I def- I check that out.
But yeah, that that's what I saw during my downtime, man. I watched uh, Honey Boy, checked that one out, checked out The Farewell. I started the series, which I do not want to talk about on this podcast because my views are way, way too explosive. Uh, even for no chase on this one. But I, I, I do have an avenue that that I will talk about, it on, but we'll get to that later. But I'll just say it like this. Um, I watched the series uh, Hunter. Uh, I just got to put it out there. Too, oh, the, the Al Pacino. Hunter. Al Pacino, yes. I need to start that. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's some it's some really deep shit, but it, it's dealing with, um, you know, people are very very uh, shaky about saying the the J word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I I know why. I'm not gonna act like I don't know why. So. I'm, that's why I said I don't want to talk about that particular show <laughs> on this podcast. But it's damn good. I'll just say that. Okay. And it's good for so many reasons. So, yeah, I watched that just to put it out there as far as what I did, you know, and, and some things that I had my attention on during the break. Um, I did catch that. So definitely check it out, man. Okay. Yeah, i definitely do that. Um, I actually watched a, another documentary on Netflix called The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez. Um, that was, I think it was like a... Trials was, of Gabriel Fernandez? Yeah, I think that was like a seven-episode um, docuseries, six or seven. Um, wasn't wasn't too long. Um, but that was a story about this little boy that was... Um, actually abused um mm-hmm. over in um i think they were in, in la yeah i think they were in he la was abused yeah he was abused by his, his mom and her boyfriend um little seven you are attracted kids. to the darkest shit Bro, man listen that's I... <laughs> what is this shit with you and these child abuse and these Motherfuckers with tigers and you know, Honey Boy was kind of pushing it too. I gave you it a was. pass with the Honey Boy, it man. Was. Like, okay, this was a good movie, but shit, dude. Like, I like complex I'm, stories. I mean, I get it. Oh yeah, I see. I, I, I mean, we gotta get a woman on this podcast, man. Please, ladies, if you're listening to me, please come on here and help us. You know, bring some brighter shit. Yes, please. To the, <laughs> to, <laughs> I will say though, this actually opened my eyes up to um, um, what the um, I forget what's called the um, God defects like with um, stuff with um, that whole um, community yeah. like what what they what that what those workers have to deal with. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that that their workload was so vast that um, that their attention cannot be put on the on kids properly, um, and a lot of kids get hurt or killed um, because of that. Um, let me just say, you you probably need to check this out. I don't want to see anything I, about dead kids in foster in foster custody. D. I'm good I, on that. I, I I got enough child trauma from Honey Honey Boy. <laughs> I'm good. I got to stop you right there. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, man. 
No more childhood Listen. trauma shit, man. Come on, dude. No, man. no, man, no. Listen. No, no defects, dead children <laughs> on this podcast. There Listen. are limits. Oh, I, I didn't realize I, that. I, <laughs> yeah. There are there are limits, man. <laughs> Look, man. There's no chase. It's not no limits. <laughs> there are limits to this shit. Dead foster care children are, are the limits, man. Bro, this thing, like, I felt so bad for this kid, um, and 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 his siblings, like what they had to go through. The story is very, um. It's a rough story. So yeah, if, if anyone out there is listening that can't handle um, graphic um, images and stuff like that, it might not be for you. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. But I will say that it does um, make you think about... Um, a community of, of, of people that go through stuff that you wouldn't even think about. Um, I didn't realize that people were, I mean, I, I knew people like abused kids. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know that people like did this type of stuff and could go right to sleep with the kid, like bound up in, inside of a cupboard. I didn't, I didn't know people could, could do that. And 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 it's it's disturbing right, as hell. So what's the name of this documentary, man? The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez okay. on Netflix. All right, all right, folks. So avoid that shit. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Trials of Gabriel Fernandez. Be sure to bypass that in your queue, wherever if, you find it, if, with your streaming platforms. All right. If you cannot handle um, that type of story, it is definitely not for you. Yeah. It is definitely. Yeah. I I, I'm I almost assume it's not. Huh? I'm going to assume it's not for me, so yeah. Um, yeah. Um, we'll be discussing that. We won't, but it, it's it's one of those things that I, I, the um, the awareness. Um, I think it is important for for kids that are going through that kind of stuff. Um, I think that that story was definitely um, necessary to be told. Um, a lot of people really do put these kids in jeopardy. Like for not doing their job properly, and that's that that goes to teachers. Um, that's um, true. I'm not gonna make like that. That's you true. Know, it, it, it kids in those systems are uh, in pretty bad shape, and they're forgotten. They right. they are they're overlooked. I, I, I feel you on that. And forgotten, and and I that's what really like made me feel really bad for for not only Gabriel but all these other kids that that experienced this, mm-hmm. um, and I. Like to be completely honest, I don't think that I was fully aware um, of stuff like this before I watched this documentary. Um, so I, in in that sense, I do think it is important to watch. But if it's it, it's not like you're not gonna see like you know dead kids on there, pictures of dead kids. But it is it's a graphic story. Um, gotcha. So yeah, it, that that's why I say that. But um, it's not for everyone. But it is important to be told. The story is definitely important to be told. Well, on a lighter note from Dead Kids, um, <laughs> there's um, there's a YouTube channel that I rock with, right? Right. Um, called Comedy Hype. 
And which is what we need right now. I actually, so, yeah, so, I've I've checked this. You stuff familiar out. with comedy? Yeah, right. yeah. I hate right, how they edit. Let's let's change the tone on this shit. Yeah, let's let's let's, let's talk about something I found on that. <laughs> um, so comedy hype, right? Shout out to comedy hype. You said you don't like the way they edit. I hate how they edit. Well, they everybody's doing the Vlad thing now. I know. You know yeah. Which is which is, is kind of shitty because you you get in these. Uh, I mean, what it is is content. It's it's content draining. You know, yeah. you're squeezing the content. Yeah. But um. Yeah, I don't like it either. I don't care for that either. But that's the Vlad model that a lot of people are using. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess it's what people are used to, these little bites of information and shit. But uh, yeah. I'm with you. I'd much rather have a long-form interview yeah. than anything. But um, there's a video they posted uh, yesterday. This mm-hmm. is the 28th of March. Mm-hmm. So they posted a video yesterday which um, got my attention. It's titled uh, "Why Martin Lur- Why Why Martin Lawrence Turned Down uh, New Jack City." So oh. y'all go check that out. Y'all need to check that out. Just talk a little bit about it, though. Yeah, uh, Martin apparently I-, I don't even want to say he was up for the role. From the according to the video, um, which is about about five minutes long, five or six minutes long, um, they said that he actually had the role. Like it was his role. Mm-hmm. Before, uh, uh, as we know, the uh, iconic role was played by Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually a role that, that Martin had locked down. But due to some circumstances um, at the time, which uh, was the death of Robin Harris, the comedian Robin Harris, who mm-hmm. was the actor behind and the voice behind Bebe's Kids. He was the father in House Party. Um he was in Harlem Nights. You know, Robin Harris, legendary, mm-hmm. legendary comedian, died very young. I think he was in his early to mid thirties or something like that. Um, yeah, that that particular situation with him passing in the I want to say the early nineties um, really affected him. You know, because apparently Robin Harris was a mentor to him mm-hmm. and uh, real important to his comedy career. So according to the video. Uh, Martin uh, wasn't able uh, emotionally or mentally to play the role, which is how Chris Rock got it. And from, uh, again, according to the video, from the story, Chris Rock initially read for the role. When he did read for the role, he was awful for it. Really? Like, he he was bad, yeah. So he ended up getting it, ultimately, because Martin... Uh, due to the death of Robin Harris, wasn't wasn't really in a mental space mental space to play that role. So, uh, what you think about that, man? Martin potentially as Pookie, because that that image uh, has not left my mind since I watched this video. I can't <laughs> see anyone playing Pookie outside of Chris Chris Rock. That's what lets you know it was meant for him. It was meant for him. Yeah, I, I can't because yeah. thinking of I, I, now, Martin Lawrence is one of those comedians that. Um, is a real physical guy like his part of his comedy is being wild and active um so it would have worked for him back then too um which that's actually a complaint that i've heard people talking about with him on um on this new bad boys um, Mm -hmm. that please don't don't tell me anything about it because i haven't seen it yet oh and i won't say anything but that that's that's one thing that's that's oh yeah i wouldn't do that that's one yeah. thing, though, that a lot of people uh, complained about is that, you know, because he put on weight, so he's not mm-hmm. like he's not like the Martin that we remember, like Blue Streak and all those other movies in the 90s. But um, 
I can't I can't see him in that. Some right. some people some people don't audition well, but then when you put them on set, then they just kill it. Which mm-hmm. is, which is a very weird thing, but um God, I don't how different would, would New Jack City be without Chris Rock? It's hard to picture that movie without Chris Rock, particularly, you know, that role. Yeah. You know, it's it, I feel you on that. But they say that Martin killed it, that during the audition, um, when he actually had his, his audition, he killed it. Like, But from what they said, something that they said um, in it kind of led me to believe that it probably was better off that he wasn't in a role like that because one of the things they said was that during his audition, you know, he killed it so so well, but uh, they were everybody was on the floor, you know, in stitches, just laid out, mm-hmm. you know, based on his performance or his audition. And looking at New Jack City as we see it today, yeah, I don't think that that was a really purely comedic role. It wasn't. That, that, that required that, you know. So maybe it was better and it worked out better for whatever reason for the movie that he wasn't in it. But you can't help but imagine Martin Lawrence in, in New Jack City now. No. You know, now that we know that. And that's I like those topics, man. Like those those little topics always interest me. Like what could have been, like roles people turned down, and mm-hmm. roles that 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 you know people could have had that end, that end up not becoming. Yeah. Um, like Will Smith was, was supposed to be Neo. Wonder what that would have looked like. That would have been trash. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Because. <laughs> We, I think we've discussed this before. Um, Will Smith is is no, oh, yeah, we did. We it's did. good, but he's Will Smith almost every role. Yeah, you know, um, that role of Neo did not need that. And and <laughs> and if they had if they had him as Neo, then Lawrence Fishburne wasn't going to be Morpheus. I think they were talking about Val Kilmer as as Morpheus. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about like like a drastic change in that entire story. Um, I don't think Matrix would have been as successful with those two leading that 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 film. I, I really don't. Not that's not that's not a knock on them, but some I, movies. I kind of disagree with you. I think Will could have held it down. I, I don't. I don't. When see I it. consider our robot and you know other movies of lesser quality than Matrix. Yeah. Um. And how he held it down on solid performance, I think he could have held it down. No, he could have held it down. But I'm saying like I don't know that that movie would have been as. It's not like you know uh, Keanu Reeves just raised the bar that high. Well, for of a performance. Well, think about it though. <laughs> think about it though. If you we're not talking about Denzel as Malcolm X. No, when no, it no. Comes to Keanu Reeves and Morpheus. Right, but if, think I mean, about this Morpheus, though. Me, uh, but think about this though. Morpheus, like Lawrence Fishburne embodied that role so if you if you have will smith as neo i'm not even talking about him so much as how much that would have affected the morpheus character because think think of val kilmer as morpheus Mm -hmm. that would have been trash that wouldn't i mean i i mean i can see that but that wouldn't work because i believe that that morpheus is just as iconic to that uh well lawrence fishburne is just as iconic to that role as uh, Keanu could be considered to uh, his Neo role. Yes. So I, I give you that, but um, I my argument is Will if 
direction had went another way. Mm-hmm. And Will Smith actually, you know, developed, uh, ended up in that role or had ended up with that role. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll be talking about uh, The Matrix too much any different than we are now, if not more, you know. That's just my, I mean, I, you know, I, I give him credit as an actor. I think you tried to shit on Will on this podcast a couple of times. No, Derek. I haven't. <laughs> no, I love Will Smith. I no, love him. No, no. I, think, I love Will like Smith. Vu, man. No, I, I think I defended Will <laughs> on this podcast before. I defended Will on something no, on this podcast before. I love Will Smith. Don't get it twisted. Okay. He's, he's a phenomenal yeah. actor. I just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that the Neo role would have been drastically different with him, but the dynamic between Neo and Morpheus would have been drastically different if it was Val Kilmer that was Morpheus and not Lawrence Fishburne. Because they're not going to have two black men as the Morpheus and Neo characters. I mean, I give you that. That would have essentially made a black movie. Yeah. They're not, yeah. not, not going to do I, I get that. Well, I mean, you may be right on that. I'm not I'm not disputing you on the Morpheus character. Yeah, that 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 was thoroughly Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. You know, um he owns that. But I don't take that position with Keanu Reeves as Neo. I think Will Smith very well could have could have uh, brought something to that performance. Oh, he, mo- he most played. definitely he most definitely could. I I I'm not and like like I, like again. Now Django cuz you know he was up for Django too. Uh, he before, sure was. Uh, I now, Django, I, I can't say that. I don't know if Will Smith. I think maybe with the, now with Django, I think the issue with that would have been the the lighthearted, easy go nature, uh, easy going nature of Will Smith that we've come to know over these over twenty plus years. I guess he's been Will Smith. Mm-hmm. I think that would have uh, conflicted with a rebellious slave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'm no diss, no diss to Will, but Rebellious Slave and Will Smith does not, that would have took a, a level of acting. I would have been curious to see, you know, but, you know, that was pretty much Jamie Foxx. That was that, made for Jamie Foxx. Yeah, Jamie, that was Jamie Foxx. Yeah. You know? Um, But no, definitely Neo. He could have. No, he, you know, he, he definitely could have done is really a very is really a very pretty overrated guy, man. You know, he he's very very limited in my judgment. You know, in my judgment, Keanu Reeves is not really much to talk about as an actor. So I well, so by me saying Will Smith would have done would have been just as good, I'm really kind of really that's really not a compliment to Will Smith. Well, because I think Will Smith is a way better actor than Keanu Reeves. He I'll I'll give you that, but. Have you seen Man of Tai Chi? Well, uh, is that no? I guess that's a Keanu Reeves. That's movie. a Keanu Reeves film, and that is the first film that he's played a villain. And that movie, um, that movie really showed me a little bit of his range, because um, I I never thought he could play that kind of role. Um, I'm not saying he's on the same level as Will Smith, but I think he can hold his own. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked him in that one. I I, I really did. I I I don't. Dude, think... I saw Keanu. What is that movie he was in? That piece of shit. Um, <laughs> where he he was kidnapped by two chicks in his house, and he screwed him. Uh, no, actually, he he what he was kidnapped after he screwed him. You know? Did you see that? I think it's uh, not not 
I think I'm pretty sure the movie's called oh, Knock Knock. Oh, I never. I think I started. It's a Eli Roth it. movie, I believe. Well, you 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 missed the whole. The best part of the movie is. <laughs> it was really the worst part of the movie, which is one of those type of movies. It's okay. one of those so bad movies you got to watch it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Ridiculous. I think it's I, I think I started like five minutes and just turned it off. Yeah, there's a line in there where he he screams at them, you know, they, they, that it's pretty much uh, their fault that he he's in a situ he was in a situation where they pretty much tied him up. Uh, it was really a home invasion, so so okay. so to speak. And uh, yeah, there's a ridiculous line where he he's berating them and he screams at them how they sucked his cock. Those are his words. <laughs> so because of that, that's that's the script. That's not me. That's the script. That's, that was Keanu Reeves. You sucked my cock. That's what he said. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and he was pretty much berating them for, you know, during that, that. And that was the line that they gave him in his state of beratement. That's what he screamed at them. So that tells you what we're dealing with right there, bro, with that one. Yeah, it's called Knock Knock. And after I saw him in that, I didn't take him serious no more. I said, yeah, man, you just took the check. See, I skipped you that one. You want to take the check actors right now. I, I skipped you know. that one. Um, yeah, you, and yeah. I'm I'm I, I generally watch most of his movies. I think I think I've only missed like two or three of them. But for the most part, I think I've seen all of his films. Um I've seen a few. <laughs> you know, I, I like you know, Devil's Advocate. I will say that. Devil's Advocate. Seen a third his ass. You and know, that's another that, one. That wasn't even his movie. No, but he um, was he was good. Well, he 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 did Devil's Advocate. Um, when they wanted to do Speed Two, and uh, he turned he turned Speed Two down to go do Devil's Advocate, which I thought was a phenomenal choice because Speed Two. Yeah, well, it was, sounds like Devil's Advocate saved him from career suicide it, if he did Speed Two. Well, no, actually, he committed career suicide by taking it and turning them down. Because apparently what happened was that um, when he when he did that, um, studios didn't want to mess with him after that. Really? Yeah, yeah. It took him. I think, I think they said it was around like ten to fifteen years to actually get back on track, and I think that's when John Wick came up. Oh, yeah, I mean, he did. He, he was pretty much off the scene for he a while. He was gone for I, a I long time. I didn't realize that till you just mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Well, aside from uh, Matrix Revolutions, but I think, I think outside of the Matrix, well, he uh, pissed series, the establishment off when he, he turned out. Yeah, but that was but Devil's Devil's Advocate was a studio movie, right? Yeah, yeah that was a pretty good movie. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you had Al Pacino in it, so why would you turn that down to do Speed Two, which was really, I think they said it was, um, it was he he his reason for turning it down was because the story just wasn't as good. But the but speed was like a blockbuster. First one wasn't really that good. Though. It wasn't. It wasn't. But they they um they made a ton of money with it, and so because you know how how studios do, you make right. a ton of money with with one movie. Now you want to fast track and make a sequel, um, and not put any effort into it, um, and that's ex that's exactly what they did on that one. I think William William Defoe was in that one too. Um, yeah. Yeah, it just it wasn't it wasn't good, and he didn't connect with the story. So between him not connecting with the story, and then also having Devil's Advocate on the table, which one are you gonna take? 
You know, right. I mean, it's, I, no, I, it's, I, no, it's no brainer. Devil's Advocate was definitely a good movie. Though. Devil's Advocate like was really good. If anybody haven't seen that one, check that one out. That might be one y'all see us talk about one of these days. Most likely. There, there's a lot to talk about with that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. That's a real good movie. Yeah. Um, you a Pac fan, right? I think you yeah. said you wasn't a Okay, all right. No, no, I've, I've always been a Pac fan. All right, all right, good. Cause this may interest you a little bit. Um, I was, you know, during the quarantine downtime, um, I watched uh, a few Pac interviews, uh-huh. you know, just for some reason. I get in those modes, man, where I just uh, just go deep diving into that old death row history. I, I got a fascination with that shit, man. Um, it's like a, a, a low-key, uh, I guess, yeah, fascination with death row history, uh, West Coast hip-hop history mm-hmm. somewhat, um, but particularly death row, Suge Knight and the whole death row empire. And the saga and the stories that come along with all of that during mm-hmm. that period, which um, what kind of where I'm going, the direction I'm going in now, is really hasn't really hasn't been told, in my judgment, um, definitively enough on film. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, I'm pretty sure that things in the making. There's always going to be things in the making when it comes to stuff like this. Because it's such a it's a rich story, man. Within uh, Suge Knight, Death Row, particularly Tupac, you oh, know, yeah. and then how that whole the beginning to the end. Yeah. Um, I, there, there's a lot of YouTube community. Well, yeah, quite a few, I should say, YouTube communities that deal with stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll shout out a couple of them. Uh, Bomb First is one mm-hmm. that I that I spend a lot of time on. Uh, it's one called Machiavelli Media um, that I spend a lot of time on. Um, and a couple others that I'm missing, but you know, there, there's a lot of interest, you know, naturally, behind the life of Tupac, and in general, just the whole Death Row, Suge Knight uh, empire, and the story behind that. Mm. So, with that said, um, yeah, I've been just going in. Uh, I'm, I'm in that mode, you know, where I'm just going into it and just listening to old interviews and going back over old, you know, Tupac music and just kind of living in that history again, right? Right. And as I was doing that, I was watching um, a couple of his interviews recently. I watched the Vibe interview he did, I think, in 96. It's called the Lost uh, interview he did with Vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that when he was on his uh, couch? Yeah, yeah, on the couch in his apartment yeah. in L.A.? Yeah. Yeah, um, I watched that over, uh, once uh, over again. That was a good one. Because I've seen it a million times. Oh, that was a great one. That, to yeah. me, is his best interview. Yeah. That is the best Tupac interview he ever gave that you're going to yeah. find. If y'all are Tupac fans or have any kind of minor Tupac interest and you want to get a, a, a solid uh, just snapshot, so to speak, of the man he was, the mind he had, and the energy that man had, that is the interview you need to see. Most the Vibe Magazine interview. And I want to say it's probably one of his last interviews. I think so. Um, also, I watched the another classic one was the MTV interview he did. Oh yeah, with uh, Samantha B, I believe her name is the mm-hmm. the, the white chick. In mm-hmm. that, uh, and they were walking through uh, some beach in Oakland, I believe. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's where yeah. he just got out of prison, right? I believe he did. Yeah, I yeah. believe he did. Damn good interview. Yeah. And yeah. um, as I was listening to it, right, I just he he was re you know th- that particular interview is one of the interviews where he um. You know, recalls his childhood, mm-hmm. talks about how he grew up, and talks about his parents' life, 
And it, listening to him talk about that, you know, and I'm probably giving away something that I shouldn't be giving away, but, uh, you know, maybe, you know, the, you know, the listener base can keep this as we, and I'm sure we're not that wise yet. So, you know, we might want to keep this tight because Hollywood steals information all the time, you oh, know, yeah. and utilizes, you know, ideas all the time. But my point in saying that is that listening to Tupac talk about his childhood, it just kind of uh, reminded me or brought to my mind that he, that the film that, uh, that came out on his life, all, all eyes was, on me, all eyes on me. Yeah. Cannot be the definitive Tupac film. Oh, you know, that, no. that can't be the, not even the documentary that they did resurrection. That cannot be the, the, the ceiling to his story because there's so many elements and, and so many, uh, so many layers to his life that we have yet seen displayed on screen. Yeah, especially when he you was uh, in school art, um, in New York. Right. Not saying that the film shouldn't exist. You know, yeah. that's kind of what I'm getting at. That It's not saying the film shouldn't exist. It was an effort. You know, the effort can be criticized. But, All Eyes um, on Me? Right. I didn't even care to watch it. Yeah, I saw it. I didn't yeah, care to watch I, it. I, I when, 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 when I heard that he had an iPhone in there, I said, I'm good. See, I don't know if that's true. I, I think that no, movie. a couple people told I, I gotta, me that, man. <laughs> yeah, man, but I, I need to see it, though. I don't remember seeing it, and I want to see it. Somebody's going to send that image because I will say this about that movie, D. That movie did get unfairly drugged, man. And a lot of that had to do with, I guess, it didn't um, it didn't play ball by the system, the, the Hollywood system too much. I, I think that had a lot to do with it. The producers were kind of out of the box. You know, they, mm-hmm. these were, these were, I, I don't remember the guy's name. He's relatively unknown. You know, I think he's known in certain circles. Mm-hmm. But the, the producer, the guy who actually did it, is relatively unknown. You know, but, um, you know, and a lot of that has to do with why the movie got drugged because you had this, you know, this guy, and you know, he's a black guy, and he had a very ambitious uh, desire to tell Park's story on screen. And sometimes brothers don't get a fair shake, you know what I mean, when it comes to that in the Hollywood scenario. And I, I want to say that movie did suffer from that a little bit. Because uh, Jada Pinkett, as a matter of fact, came out really hard against that movie. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't no, think they really included hard her in this story, right? Well, that's the dispute. I mean, they say that, that there was uh, proper communication with her, and she says it wasn't. That's That's something that, you know, I can't make a determination on, and I don't care to, but I do know that she shouldn't have. She didn't have to come out as hard as she did against it. That that yeah. that's something that could have been handled differently. Because a woman of her stature, when you when you speak out against stuff like that, you know it makes a difference. And then at the end of the day, these were still brothers. These were still you know black men or a black man who who I believe had a, a had a, a decent ambition and a sincere ambition to tell Park's story. I don't. It's L T Hutton. That's his name. Yeah. And it comes to me. LT Hutton, which I don't know much about him. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean he's not significant to Tupac's story, but I do know he had a relationship to some capacity with Tupac. I don't know the details of it. Like I said, he's not particularly widely known. I don't think the average motherfucker out here, you know what I mean, would associate him with a Tupac film. Right. That's just my, my vantage point. So, But I do know he's a black man. He was a black guy. He made the effort to, um, to produce this story, to tell this story. Some kind of way he had a relationship with Miss Shakur, Tupac's mother. There was a rift with that. Um, there was a rift with the, the original attached director, which was John Singleton. Rest in peace to John Singleton. Most definitely. Um, so it, it, the movie was, it had a lot of bullshit attached to it. 
before it even filmed, you know, before the cameras even started rolling. And that same element of confusion kind of weighed that film down all the way through, uh, through uh, even after it premiered, after it debuted. And that's why I say there's a lot of unfair criticism that movie gets. But from what I heard as well, that there was no iPhone in the movie from other people who saw it. They said that that's, that's a, a film myth. I, I only watched the movie once, and I'm naturally, if I saw an iPhone, I would definitely have called that out, but I didn't see it. I didn't see it. But I, 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 and I don't really want to revisit the movie either <laughs> <laughs> because it just wasn't, you know, it just didn't, it just didn't, it, it wasn't a, I don't want to say it wasn't a good movie. It just wasn't good enough for for that story. You know, I think his ambition yeah. was a little too high. Yeah. You know, that's just my humble opinion on that. You know, no disrespect to, you know, the brothers who did it. I'm glad that we have, we had a brother, you know, somebody, you know, of, of our community to tell our story. We need more of that. Right. That's why I don't really like talking too crazy about that because we need more of that, man. We need more of our community, our people, particularly black men, telling the stories of the black community, particularly dealing with black men. And Tupac is an iconic figure, you know, in the of the world, you know, but particularly in the black community, obviously, you know, within black culture, uh, within our culture. Tupac is of our culture. Yeah, you know, he don't belong definitely. to every damn body. He, he's of our culture. He was produced out of our culture. So, you know, there was something that I enjoyed and I was proud of to see a brother actually had had some control, you know, had was, was had his hands on that. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you know, artistically and other elements to be discussed, um, he didn't, they weren't well executed. They just weren't well executed. Um, it's not like Denzel, I, I compare it to this. This is what came to me. This is really what I kind of want to talk about with this. Was that it kind of is, is it, it puts me in the mind of Denzel Washington and Malcolm X, right? Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people probably don't know this, but Denzel played Malcolm a few times uh, early in his career before Spike got him on the film. Really? You know, I don't know if you that. Yeah, Mike played, excuse me, uh, Denzel played uh, Malcolm X on stage years before uh, the story made the screen. Wow, I didn't know that. In a play. So, yeah, yeah, so he had a familiarity and a relationship with that character that, that made him just perfect for the, the cinema role. Right, you, right. Which is, uh, which is of course, uh, also to be attributed to the genius of Spike Lee Most by recognizing that. Um, so, because of that, we can say this. Even though there have been other actors that played Malcolm X, James Earl Jones was one of them. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Mario Van Peebles, I know, has played Malcolm X. Um, and, and a couple others, you know, that we can name. There have been other actors that play Malcolm, but because of the, the phenomenal, dynamic, unspeakable talent of a man named Denzel Washington, that role will always be associated with Denzel Washington, Malcolm's on-screen character in any capacity. Yeah. You know what I mean? For the rest of known history, will always be held by the standard of Denzel Washington. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Even people who had that role before him, like I said, which was James Earl Jones. He's played Malcolm before. Morgan Freeman, I believe, has played Malcolm before. Did These it? are credible actors, yeah, on, on stage. I think that on some kind of screen capacity, Morgan Freeman played, played Malcolm X. They wouldn't, that, that conversation is not that to be had even without... That seem right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but my point Morgan, is... Morgan uh, looked like 70 at 16, so I don't, I don't see how that translated well at all. I mean, it wasn't like a pool of black actors that were I probably know, that I available <laughs> throughout the years to play a Malcolm X. It's not like they, 
you know, you know, without without the two I just named, James Earl Jones and Morgan Freeman, who the hell else you gonna get to play Malcolm X? Warren Beatty or some shit? I don't know. Hell no. I don't know. I mean, I get your point. I don't want to see the party in Malcolm X. I would have never wanted that. That would have been. That would have been blasphemy, man. No disrespect to, to Sidney Poitier, but Malcolm X, he would not have been. Yeah, yeah. My point is exactly leading up to this, why this conversation is necessary. <laughs> Denzel is good, right? I mean, I'm good with Denzel. Great. There is no performance yeah. that needs to be held down as far as I'm concerned, as far as Malcolm X. Right. We can stop right now. Yes. Um, I know some guy played it on some TV show that came out last year with uh, Forrest Whitaker. Um, I don't even know who he is. I don't care to know who he is when it comes to that. Denzel Washington is the fictional Malcolm X, period. Most that's that's, that, that's where we need to leave it. Yeah. This Tupac movie did not do that. That's my point. And, and um, neither, neither did Notorious. Uh, well, that's another conversation. Man. Anthony Mackie is, says Tupac was... Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about... Uh, tragic. Big Gravy or whatever his name is. Jamal who played Biggie. You're talking about the... Tupac character in that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. Now, I will say this. Demetrius Ship, I think his name is. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead. I think that's He did do the best of Tupac performances on screen. I'll give him that. But <laughs> <laughs> you had a lot of bullshit that came before you, bro. So it's not like there was a bar that even existed. It, it, yeah, yeah, not you at know, all. Tupac. I mean, I remember, I think the first one I can recall, which was really awful, was do, uh, Hakeem from Moesha Play Park. That's right. <laughs> and, oh, I forgot all about that. everybody associated with that movie really should slit their wrists. <laughs> Seriously. Because um, that, was, that was cinema train wreck, if you want to call it a cinema, cinematic expression. Yeah. That whole fucking movie. Like, VH1 should have been penalized for producing that shit. The Hammer movie? I mean, yeah, that and, um, God damn, I even hate you. I thought about that shit. <laughs> that that and uh, Lifetime doing uh, Michael Jackson with Flex Anderson. No, that was I think that was VH1 too, man. Was it? I thought it was I thought it was Lifetime. I, I'm pretty sure that was VH1. I could be wrong, but I think VH1 did that horrible Michael Jackson movie with a six foot three Michael Jackson <laughs> with, with Flex Anderson. You're right, and they did they definitely did the Hammer story. Yeah. With, uh, the, from uh, I don't know his name, a man from uh, from uh, the office who was cussing out Kevin Hart, and and not the office, but forty year old version. Oh, Romany Malco. Yes, he played Hammer. He was Hammer, and and Jesus. Hakeem from Moesha was Tupac, and that was <laughs> yes, bro. I, I, if I had the ability to erase some shit from my mind, from my from my psyche, it would be that shit. That would be the first thing I would ask them to that's deplete from my memory, was that that hour and a half, whatever that shit was with that Hammer story. But yeah, it started with him. I want to say he was the first that I can recall. I could be wrong, but he was the first that I know that played Park on the screen, and the shit was downhill from there. Right? Yeah. So I will say Demetrius saved that. You know, he did save that. He gave us hope that Park could be played on screen. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It just needs, give, it just needs different leadership. And uh, the different, different uh, storytelling. Yeah. You know, and I learned that from watching these interviews, that Park's early story is is damn near moving in of itself, man. You know that fact that his, his father dynamic and you know the the the, 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 the excuse me, 
you mentioned Hammer movie and the shit, the podcast went fucked up. <laughs> uh, dynamic of of his uh, his mom and you know all that. Now the All Eyes on Me did do the crack addiction. I think it did it in a little bit of a cartoonish kind of just glaze over way. But um, but Pac got a rich story, man. Like Pac's story easily could have been a Malcolm X three three hour uh, joint, man. Oh yeah. You know, and it needs that. So my point in saying all this is, uh, yeah, there still there still needs to be that Tupac story. Actually, there still needs to be that whole Death Row story. That yeah, because yeah. they touched upon it a little bit with uh, Straight Outta Compton, but I want to see, I want to see a whole movie of all the behind the scenes with that. Um, right. I forgot who they pl- had play Snoop in uh, Straight Outta Compton, but I didn't like that casting either. I forgot who that guy was. Right. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't like that one either. But I would. I would definitely love to see a death row film. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, it's needed. Need, it's needed. But you know, all the politics and all the Hollywood bullshit that that comes with that um, will always delay it, if not totally stop it. I mean, the shit show that went down was straight out of Compton, man. I mean, damn, Suge's in jail now, damn, practically because of that movie. Yeah. If, if you, be honest, you know, when you get yeah. to the bare bones of it, there's a lot uh, associated with that movie is why that man's sitting in prison right now. Well, so that, maybe, and maybe him running over a guy didn't help either. Okay, but there's, disp- there's a dispute <laughs> with that shit. So, so now I got to finish Shook Knight on the podcast. Please do, because I mean... <laughs> <that shit>. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm game. Let's do it. So, yeah. So, okay, he ran a motherfucker over, yeah, but <laughs> no disrespect to the, to him, but my thing is this. He wasn't his life in danger? Did you didn't you didn't you hear that element of the story that he was there's good there's a good argument Shug was set up that day, bro. That's all I'm saying on that. Okay. There's a pretty good argument to be made that some motherfuckers came on the scene to take him out that day. And he was fleeing for his life. And in the process of him fleeing for his life, the, the, the person that happened to be behind a truck or around a moving truck, you know, got ran over. Unfortunately. So he was just in the wrong place, wrong time. It could be that, but I'm just saying because he shook Knight, there's no benefit of doubt for his ass. No. That, that's just what it is. Oh, they you know, they definitely uh, retroactively put him to prison. I, I I don't I don't doubt that at all. Um. Basically, like what they did with O.J. Simpson. Suge Knight was one of the greatest. Is you know he's not dead. Suge Knight <laughs> is one of the greatest American businessmen to ever live. I said that. Now I want anybody to argue me on that. Suge yeah. Knight, yeah. one of the greatest American self-made businessmen to ever walk this planet. And because he's a black man from Compton, he'll never get that credit. He'll that's, never get that credit. That's very interesting. You know. That's just what it is here. Uh, Suge Knight is in the tradition of Barry Gordy. And not only that, he's one of the few record executives in the tradition of Barry Gordy. It's not many. And out of all of them, he is definitely one of the best. I would say he, his, his name should be mentioned with Barry Gordy. You think he's better than um, than uh, Master Diddy? Pete? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Diddy is pretty much corporate made, man. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Master P is up there. Master P, I put his name up there as well. He's he's pretty underrated, but he wasn't Suge Knight. 
he wasn't Suge Knight, you know. That's interesting. That, that, yeah. That's an interesting conversation. It is. It is. And it, and it needs and it, and it and there's potential there for it to be told on screen, you know. But there's always going to be that that as long as it comes to that Hollywood filter, Suge Knight's story and Death Row's story is always going to be attached to you know gang violence. Mm-hmm. And violence, period, and murder, and all that shit. And mm-hmm. I'm not here to say that that wasn't an element of of their story, but that had nothing to do with the fact that man created a multi million dollar empire. He didn't build that shit because he was a blood. Oh no, or because of gang violence and nothing like that. Most that definitely. was associated with it, of course. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the culture that he learned, that he expressed through it. I mean, if a motherfucker was raised in a jungle, right, mm-hmm. by wolves and tigers and and whatever the fuck else lives in the jungle. If a motherfucker was raised in the woods with, you know, deer and and, and wherever <laughs> lives in the woods, yeah. and he emulates the behavior of that shit, that means whatever the fuck he do, he does, he's he gonna get a portion of that culture he was raised in. Project you know, your environment. You know, that's just what it is. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the intelligence that they exercise to to build what they what they're mixing their culture into. Oh, most definitely. And I would say that Suge Knight was one of the most intelligent. Uh, music moguls out there. You know, he put together the pieces. We can criticize and pick shit apart all day long, but the fact that we have the ability to even have this kind of conversation mm-hmm. to, to criticize, mm-hmm. right, essentially is due to Suge Knight. You can't de- de- deplete him from the from the equation. He can't. I will, what... not, I will not disagree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. I will not disagree with you on that. that that's... um. That's a very interesting conversation. Yeah, it, it is. But you know, I want to get back to Pac though. My my my, my point in that, and we're gonna wrap this part of the, the, the podcast up. But yeah, man, just just watching um watching these interviews, listening to Pac tell his story from his own mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like damn, man. There's so much to this man's story that we have yet to see expressed in this art form called movies. You know what I mean, or cinema, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and and I just kind of I want that. It's like it's like Marvin Gaye. I'm I'm not trying to go too deep into the into the uh the un unfound you know biopics or nothing like that. But yeah. like Marvin Gaye is yet to have his story told accordingly. You know what? Uh, I think I think biopics like that probably would do better as uh, independent films anyway. Well, the problem is motherfuckers need to die first. So we think about the rights to this shit. I mean, that's how it goes yeah. down. Yeah. When certain people are dead. Certain stories are told. Yeah. It's like, you know, Rita, it's funny how Rita Franklin, right? That is There's true. this documentary that, that, that was, that just came out last year on, on her life. Mm-hmm. No, excuse me, not her life on a particular, uh, recording that she made some gospel recording, right? She didn't want the shit out. <laughs> she had problems with the shit. Um, I think the shit was hung up for years, right? Years and years and years because people just didn't want to do it or for whatever fucking problems that was associated with this. But as soon as she's dead, it's it's out, it's out, the shit has gotten fixed, all the sound issues they historically had have been corrected. I mean, it's just funny how when people die, stories get told. Yeah. You know, because obviously you don't need certain permission. Um, the Michelle Mission podcast mentions this all the time, that the Barry Gordy story, uh, the true Motown story, will never be told as long as Barry Gordy and a couple other motherfuckers are still alive. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, I definitely because there's, agree with that. there's so much that, that, 
they want circumvented of the story that really makes the best part of the goddamn story. Yeah. The shit that we're really interested in, they want to circumvent that for whatever reason. Revisionist and history. When they got to check out is when is certain things, I guess, are going to come out. But the problem with that is the shit that people really want to know and see, which is normally the salacious shit, is sometimes handled so so carelessly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And in such a fucked up way that it just fucks up every damn thing about the movie. So yeah. there's a balance that that needs to be met that Hollywood doesn't give a shit about making us look like you know garbage. That's why I cringe at this new Aretha Franklin biopic that's coming out at the end of this year. I'm not looking forward to that because you know that I don't trust Hollywood. Fuck Hollywood, man. Like fuck them. They yeah. have shown that they are an institution. Yeah, which is steeped in racism, which is essentially meant to show us in the worst lights under under subliminally fucked up tones. Most definitely. And you know, I don't trust them with our stories. Uh, that's ultimately why I applaud LT Hutton and what he did or attempted to do. It's just that on a creative level, man, on a creative level, yeah, there was that there with the movie. Yeah, that's all I'm with that. And we need it. We need another Tupac story, man. So. You know, I tell you what, you filmmakers out there that's active and really about that, man, focus on what Pac said in his in his life. Mm-hmm. You know, make it genuine. Give us what, you know, and then you'll give us something a little bit closer to what I think Denzel did. Because there are actors out there who, like Denzel, have studied the life of Pac, who have been impacted by the life of Pac. And that does help with translating uh, a story like, uh, like a man of that level. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. You know? You think I just um, want to say that, and you know, this is this is our podcast, and that's what I want to say. So, no, I, I feel you on that. I, I feel you. you. You think uh, it would be good to uh, cast Demetrius Ship in that that role again? Nah, man, you don't want to do that because then it becomes, um, yeah, I don't know. It becomes like a I hate to use this term, but like a costume or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, the reason why I ask that it, is because it just, it, I don't know. It just, it just seems it just seems it's repetitive. We don't need it. No, there there are there are other because you know, the one thing he had working for him, and I and, and I noticed this about the movie. I think this helped and hurt the movie. But the one thing he had working for him, being an unknown actor practically, and pretty much not a seasoned actor, was that he looked like Tupac. Yeah. You know, and I think that had a lot to do with him getting the role. I'm pretty sure it did, man. Yeah. And. But that also hurt the role because there, 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 there was no artistic emotion that I think that I would go ahead and say it, and use it, phrase it as, that you need for a role like that. You know, yeah. it's not just about looking like the person to pull that off. Well, yeah, and, and I agree with that. I there's sometimes um, I was just having this conversation yesterday about biopics, like I. My my thing with biopics is that I if if I were in charge of one I would want to make sure that who the movie is on you cast someone that that can bring that character to life in every way and that that's looking like them and 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 actually bringing that person to life um, that was what my issue was with Anthony uh, Anthony Mackie on uh notorious mm-hmm. like that that movie to me was it becomes a character basically is what i'm saying yeah yeah and, and then, but you also don't want to get typecast yeah. so i i can right. understand not putting him back in there 
But it's but, not a performance on the, with those. Like Mackie was not a performance. That was more of a character. Yeah. You no, know, it wasn't a real performance. And it's and that's what casting uh, Ship would be, if he was just a go-to guy for every Tupac. You know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just no. So that's all. That's why I would say no. There are actors out there who are seasoned, who might not look particularly like a Tupac Shakur in the physical form, that could pull that off. You yeah. know, because they have the ability to connect with Tupac. Uh, the unseen elements of pop, right? Which is what we missed in All Eyes on Me. Yeah, I, I yeah. I'm gonna have to check the movie out. Um, cause I, I I wouldn't mind seeing it, but I'm I'm kind of um leery on on certain biopics, and that that's one of them. That I'm just like I don't know that I really want to watch it, cause not not because of him, but because I don't know that the whole story is being told properly. And from what it sounds like, it definitely wasn't. Right. Well, I mean, I would agree. I'm definitely not saying it was a good movie um, or defending it in any way. It had its yeah. problems. I mean, it definitely had its problems. But, um, but yeah, I would I would say that in many ways, too, a lot of that movie got an unf- unfair shake. And particularly because, you know, it was highly influenced by a black guy, yeah. like L.T. Hutton. And like I said, I don't know anything about the guy. You know, honestly, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I know I've learned of him up because of this film, and I've learned that he did have some type of uh, exposure to, to Tupac, some type of relationship with Tupac that, that you know, gave him the the right to tell this story. Um, and I'm not saying that you have to have a relationship with Pac to tell his story. You really you really don't. You know, you just if you properly, you know, learn of the man and, you know, put the right pieces together, you know, I'm not saying everybody tells his story are only people that knew him. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't take that position, but you know this guy had some relationship to Pac in some capacity at some point in time late in his life, and he had uh, years had the access to the screenplay, and there were a lot of problems. I mean, it's, it's a story behind the movie actually, if you want to be honest. It's one of those movies okay. that has its own story attached to it, and John Singleton was attached to the project at one point, and I don't know if you heard, but there was the, the famous. Uh, Rape scene that was depicted in oh, one of yeah. the original screenplays. Yeah, for Pop, it's just it's a debacle, man, of of, of experiences that came with that story. And um, I, and I do believe it hurt the film. I do believe that the shit that had nothing to do with the actual film, uh, from the from the outside, hurt the film altogether. And yeah. it gets a pretty shitty reputation and because then... that it's just not a good movie. So it's hard to to even take that criticism serious because. It's not like, you know, the movie ended up being good. You can't say that shit. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, some stories you can say, it was a good movie. But no, nah, this ain't this ain't that story. It really was not a good movie. You know, the lady who played Afeen Shakur was was pretty shitty in it. I'm just going to put it out there as far as a movie perspective. Yeah, she was a, she she mangled that role. Uh, she yeah, it was it was really a black eye to the role and, to, the, and, to the film. And see, I think John Singleton would have been perfect to be on that um on that project um i mean you definitely can't doubt the artistic uh pedigree and the filmmaking pedigree john singleton would have brought to that you know he he, yeah. he earns that but i do question the content like what where in the messaging that he was allowing to come through a movie like that and why he was allowing it. like why why do you want to depict tupac being raped in jail after he denied it publicly right you know, that that did disturb me when I heard that. And I actually read the screenplay 
version of it. Yeah, it was pretty disturbing that he would. So I can see why he got pushed back with that. Yeah. I can see why that created a problem. Yeah. I definitely can see that. But that's just unfortunate. We well, even, we even got to have that conversation um, when it comes to a, a film about Tupac, whether or not you should put a damn rape scene in it. You know, that's... <laughs> man. Yeah. It's being black in America, man. That's... that's <laughs> It's a, it's a motherfucker. It is. But anyway, moving on to uh, better things. Uncut Gems, 2019 movie. Yes, sir. Starring Adam Sandler, Kevin Garnett. Yes, sir. A uh, lot of interesting appearances in this movie I want to talk about when we get into it. So wrapping up these notes, man, uh, appreciate y'all listening so far. I am Chris Ali. You can find me on Instagram uh, under that name. I am Chris Ali, spelled A-L-E-E. Uh, check me out on there. Also, no Chase Film Society is on the ground. NC Film Society. NC Film Society on Instagram. Link with us on there. Give us your comments, your feedback. Um, all the all your Suge Knight admiration and hate. Go ahead and put it on there. <laughs> um, I'm curious to hear that. Curious to hear about your feedback also on this Tupac film scenario. Like Who do y'all feel was the worst Tupac of all that we've seen? Uh, we talked about Mackie. We talked about Hakeem from Moesha. Don't know his real name. I just know he's not here, so rest in peace to him. Um, who else play Park, man? We'll, we'll figure it out. But Yeah, man. Uh, it has folk, to be Mackie, bro, because Tupac didn't have a gap in his teeth. You got to see Hakeem, man. I don't even know his name. I'm sorry I don't know his name, but Hakeem. <laughs> Well, he, he, he has some energy. So to me, I, I like I'm not saying that he was a perfect. He's a good casting at all, but to me, his energy was was probably somewhere around that. But but Mackie just I mean, to I, me, well, I mean, Mackie had, had a coked out. Uh, he did. He, he, he <laughs> did. I agree with you. <laughs> you know, his his park scene really <laughs> off a of narcotic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was more of a craze Tupac. Like, no, nah, we don't. We didn't recognize it like that. Yeah, bro. yeah. I, I wasn't. I wasn't with that one though. But uh, all right, man. So yeah, we're gonna drop this trailer, and uh, the next conversation you hear will be about the 2019 film Uncut Gems. No Chase Film Society. How you doing, Holly? Hey. How's it going? Hey, Holly. Hey, Holly. Good, good Pesach, Holly. All right, Larry, you're a Jew again. Welcome back. Made a crazy risk to gamble. And it's about to pay off. So I want the Celtics to cover. I want the Celtics halftime. I want Garnett points and rebounds. What do you know? I don't know. I just know. Well, I'll tell you what I know. That's the dumbest fucking bet I ever heard of. I disagree. I disagree, Gary. You're taking my money all over town, placing bets. I'm having very serious second thoughts. Are you serious right now? I know I fucked that. Howard, where's the money right now? Howard, got my money? Howard! Is it too late? I'm done. That means nothing. It meant nothing. Please. Give me another shot. You like to win, right? This is no different than that. Black Joe, power, nigga. 
This is my fucking way. You think I'm stupid, Howard? You and your whole fucking family. I heard you resurface your fucking swimming pool. You know how that makes me feel? Never resurface anything. I don't know who said that. I told you about how things were going to go. You like the way things are going now? That's my family. Get the kids out of the house. You having a good time? Yes. This is me. This is how I win. KJ, it's game night. You should be stretching out. What is he, a coach? Nah, he's just a fucking crazy ass Jew. All right, Uncut Gems uh, came out last year, 2019. Stars the uh, very, very well-known Adam Sandler. Also has, uh, for his first time on screen, NBA legend, unfortunate uh, Boston Celtic legend. Champion. Uh, Kevin Garnett. Yeah, <laughs> this is the shit that I really was dreading about this movie. The only thing I was dreading about talking about this damn movie was that we had to have conversations <laughs> about the Celtics with a Celtic fan. Yes, sir. And the the thing that's beautiful, the movie was made by a Knicks fan. Isn't that isn't that poetic? I'm indifferent with all that shit, actually. I'm <laughs> indifferent. I could I could have yeah, I don't have any relationship with any of that shit you're talking about, man. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Um, this one is directed by a duo uh, I'm not very familiar with, uh, the, the Safdie brothers, Benny and Josh Safdie, uh, written by Ronald Bronstein and Josh Safdie, one of the brothers who directed it. And like I said, starring Adam Sandler with a breakout role from Julia Fox, a very uh, uh, interesting screen performance from Julia Fox. Yeah. You know, very good for a breakout role for her. Yeah, you know, cause I, I kept thinking I saw her somewhere watching this, so that that's just, that only attests that she she's a pretty good, very good actress, you know, very good performance from her, um, and some very good lingerie scenes too, a particular one I should say, <laughs> in this one. But um, but yeah, man, uh, this is this is one of uh, those semi-serious roles that Adam Sandler occasionally does. You know, you could put this one up there with Punk's Drunk Love, pretty Punch good Drunk movie. Love was good. Um. He had a couple though that really wasn't hitting on shit. The uh, Spanglish. Yeah. Oh yeah. Put that in that MC Hammer VH1 Michael <laughs> Jackson movie category yeah. right there, man. Yeah, Stay that, away from that. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that at all. Uh, it's just a couple others out there that I know I'm missing, but you know, Adam Sandler takes these turns from time to time. Where he gets a little serious, he goes away from the slapstick shit, and and does something uh, a little bit serious. Oh, one I will throw out there. Um, he was a Great supporting cast, uh, part of a great supporting cast with, um, it was a Noah Baumbach movie, God, uh, Meyerowitz Stories, I believe it's called. It's a Netflix movie. He was pretty good in that. Oh yeah, I didn't see that one. Yeah, pretty, you know, you know family drama type movie. Mm -hmm. That was pretty good. So yeah, we got one of those uh, with Uncut Gems, which is pretty much a movie about addiction you know we can't stay away from child abuse and addiction on this show <laughs> but yeah um one of those movies about addiction he's a, a gambling addict in new york he works and is very successful in the new york diamond district 
He's a jeweler. He's a, pretty much a jeweler to the stars. So when you think about his character in this movie, which is uh, his name is uh, uh, Howard Ratner, and he's somewhat based out of um, based on a, a real character, I believe. I could be wrong about that, but uh, he, he think of uh, Jacob the jeweler type of characters. Mm-hmm. You know, one of those type of dudes. He's a, a jeweler to the stars type of guy, but he has a crippling gambling addiction which uh, he, he's losing. He kicks his ass. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield, who's uh, quickly become quickly becoming one of my favorite actors. Um, you know him from Get Out. He was the dude that opened up Get Out um, with uh, the Jordan Peele movie. He's got that, hold, he holds down that legendary role in Atlanta, the Donald Glover show Atlanta. Man, I'm Forget his name in that movie, man. I'm in that, in that show. What's his name in that show? I should know this. I forgot. Damn, I know Paperboy and whatever, man. Yeah, I got to figure that out. But Lakeith Stanfield is his name. He's uh, quickly becoming one of my favorite actors. I really like him. He uh, plays uh, Demani. Darius, there you go. He plays Demani in this one. And uh, him and Adam Sandler are uh, pretty much partners in crime a little bit in the Diamond District doing their thing. So, yeah, it's it's a good movie, man. It's a good movie. I hate to, you know, I really hate putting my my review out early like this, mm-hmm. but you know, it's just one of those days where I I I can't I can't help it. You know, I really enjoyed this one. It was good to see it because I haven't really been seeing a whole lot that I really liked. You know, that I really enjoyed. Yeah. But kind of changed the tone for me. So, yeah, this is a this is a movie again about love addiction, and it has some interesting um, original cast. We were talking about what if. Uh, casting opportunities. Mm-hmm. This is one of those movies that has a couple of those, and we're going to get into that a little later on. But yeah, so D, what you think about this one, man, ultimately? Oh, man. This was probably my favorite Adam Sandler movie. Um, mm. it's, it's interesting to me when I see comedians do uh, dramas, um, mm-hmm. like Jim Carrey when he did Number 23. I thought that was phenomenal. You know, not not a lot of guys do it. Um, some some guys tend to just stay in that comedy uh, lane. Mm-hmm. This this made me want to see more from Adam, um, to see what else he can do, because if he can stay on on this road a little bit with some of his films instead of just doing the loud, stupid. Uh, roles all the time I actually I I would watch them a lot more like I have yeah. I have my favorite Adam Sandler movies from like the 90s like uh, Billy Madison um, um, Big Daddy you know th- mm-hmm. those those are really funny movies but I I want to see I want to see uh, Sandler do more of these um, moving forward because this was this was a um this is a long movie. I think it was like a little over two hours, but mm-hmm. it was well done. It was a it was very layered and um, um, very well paced. Very well paced. Um, I loved it, man. I loved it. And, and aside from the Celtics uh, 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 inclusion of it, the mo- this was this was. I almost wish I could redo my top 10 of 2000, 
19. Mm. I think I would put this in there if I could. I think I would. This was really good. I would probably agree with you too. I'm going to stand on my Dolomite is my name though. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying remove Dolomite. I, not from number oh, one. No, no, I'm just putting it out there. I yeah. still say Dolomite is, was the best movie of 2019. Dolomite. Most definitely. Most definitely. Most movie of 2019. But I agree with you. This this is in that conversation. Along with Joker and I think a couple others we've said yeah. so far that we liked from last year. Yeah. I, um, I, 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 would, I would redo if I could. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. This this was this was did this win anything? He won some underground stuff, but he was there, there was talk. Um he was in the Oscar conversation early on. He was in the Oscar uh, Oscar conversation for best actor, but he ended up winning some independent stuff, I believe. Okay, yeah, this but this deserved it, man. He got recognition though. He got he got pretty good recognition for this role. Okay, yeah, th- this deserved it. This was this was well done from beginning to end. Yeah, very well done. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. Um, great performance from Sandler on this one. He uh, actually gave us one of those roles where he expanded the character of Adam Sandler a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were not his teeth. I'd come to realize that through kind of looking <laughs> up the movie and yeah. on the behind-the-scenes stuff, that he added uh, new teeth or some shit for this role, and there was a mold that he added on yeah. his face. So that was uh, that was that was pretty interesting, you know. But you know, he definitely made a made an effort as far as the appearance and just the image of the uh, the Jew. You know, I guess we can use the word now. I didn't want to say it earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, they say it in, it's a part of the movie, man. They say it all through the movie. So yeah. I referencing mean, they, they, the concept of the movie. There are right? Jewish and people he, in this film. He, he was a Jewish diamond dealer, yeah. a jeweler in this movie. Yeah. And uh, there was a very, 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 very interesting scene dealing with Jews in this movie that I want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was a Jewish, Jewish guy. And, um, he, um, had, like I said, had a crippling gambling problem. And this again needs to be one of those movies that we put. If you had a category of, of movies that dealt with gambling addiction, Oh yeah. you know, and there are a few of them out there, you know, that, that's, that is a, a category in and of itself. If you want to talk about movies dealing with gambling addiction, this has to be one of the best that I've seen. Most definitely. You know, The Hustler, I don't know if you've ever seen The Hustler. The Hustler is an old old movie. I want to say from the 50s, um, starring Paul Newman, which is dealing with uh, pool. He was a pool pool player. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also deals with gambling addiction, you know what I mean, and alcoholism. So that's... Uh, to me, still one of the, the best, if not one of the best, the best movie that deals with addiction, you know, along the lines of uh, addiction. But I got to put this one up there, like right there, right up there with it. Uh, Adam Sandler gave a a, a phenomenal uh, expression of of just the, the the dominance that addiction can have on you. You know what I mean? Just the complete lack of control that an addiction can 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 afflict upon you. And um, I mean, just just some of the things that, that he did in this movie, just to talk about that, um, just to bring in Kevin Garnett, just to kind of talk about the movie a little bit, to bring in Kevin Garnett, who, as a side note, was not the first choice uh, for that role. Who was the first choice? 
Well, from what I understand, Kobe had a, had a, a major conversation. He, he was a he was a conversation for this movie. That would have been interesting. Which makes this the second movie uh, Kobe is associated with by What If? Because uh, if you want to go back to uh, another basketball classic, uh, He Got Game, which I think is still a very underrated Spike Lee movie. Um, yeah. You know, Kobe was mentioned in that too. Kobe was a uh, really seriously considered for that role. He would have been better, much better than Ray Allen. I agree. Much better than Ray Allen. Because Denzel did his thing in that film, but mm-hmm. Ray Allen kind of, you could tell that's not his, that was never his thing. Acting was never his thing. So it just kind of, you know, I'm not saying he didn't give his all to it, but it didn't, it, that's just not, he's not an actor. Right. You know, I would have loved to have seen Kobe in that one. Especially for yeah. for that time, because that was when, um, what year did that come out, 98? I want to say 98, 99, somewhere in there, yeah. Yeah, you're talking about Kobe was already starting to hit his prime, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that would have been perfect. I don't know if what he would about, have had What about him in this one? Kobe in this film? Yeah. Let me, let me say, I'm not sure how that would have worked. Because not to say he wouldn't have done a good job, but the 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 aspect of the stone that um that that Adams uh, the, I'm sorry what's his name again uh, Howard the, mm-hmm. the stone that Howard had um, that he purchased that Garnett ultimately took they were saying that that Garnett um, was looking at that as like a mystical thing that just kind of brought him this energy that. Mm-hmm. that fire um and that that type of superstition more so aligns with Kevin Garnett than it does with That's Kobe a good Bryant. point. That's a good point. So I'm not sure that would have played well with that. And I think that would have sent a completely different subliminal message. Yeah. Um, just beyond the movie for Kobe to play a role like that. Yeah, cuz Kobe a, wasn't uh, yeah. a superstitious guy. You would have had motherfuckers actually looking for rocks. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. I yeah. agree with that. But that and that that's see, if you take that element of the movie out, I would have loved to have seen Kobe in this movie. But but right. because uh, Garnett is a superstitious type of guy, um, right. it it lines more so up with lines up more so with his personality than Kobe's. Right. I agree. I agree. The stone you brought up, which was pretty much um, a very important plot device within this movie, mm-hmm. very important, very important to the plot, um, is is a topic in and of itself. Yeah, you know, but uh, we mentioned Jews on 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 here a minute ago. I didn't want to earlier, <laughs> but it ended up that way anyway. Um, but we we mentioned um, that there's a there's a a, a very um, very vivid. Uh, very expressive mention of the Jews mm-hmm. in here, right? And that scene where he um, introduces the rock, you know what I mean, to Kevin Garnett. There's a rock to to talk about, to kind of expand the movie a little bit uh, and use a little bit of a spoiler. And if you, you know don't want to know this element of the movie, because it's very important to the movie. Shoot. But, um, this whole thing is a spoiler, and, so if you're listening to this, you just yeah. need to watch the movie first before listening to it. Right, this. and get in the habit of doing that anyway, I think, yeah. with this podcast. Just, just, you know, yeah, if you see the movie, look at the movies we're talking about, <laughs> and just, you know, if you're, in, you know, if you're really that sensitive about spoilers. Yeah. But, um, 
But yeah, when you're talking about The Rock, right? The Rock pretty much, you know, was a um, was a uh, ambition mm-hmm. of, of of Sandler's role, Howard, in this movie, mm-hmm. and he ultimately gets it. And The Rock is from a uh, mountain. It was carved out of a mountain in Ethiopia, where it was the home and the, the cultural place of black Jews. Yes. And I, I found that to be worth the movie in and of itself. That scene, that that imagery, all of that, all, that whole element of the movie, I found to be worth the whole movie. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Because how often do you hear about black Jews in any goddamn movie? I was going to ask you that. Is this the first one? First time I've heard it, really. Because I've never seen them mentioned anywhere. I mean, that's something that, that Hollywood tends to stay away from, and, and mainstream society in general yeah. tends to stay away from, is the existence of a black Jew. And and full disclaimer to everybody listening, um, me, myself, personally, I, I am uh, a, a practicing Hebrew. You know, right. I, I walk as a, and live as a Hebrew man. So um, to me personally, that, um, that had a great impact. On my psyche, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. As a, as a, as a black man, as a, as a Hebrew man, or lives as a Hebrew Israelite man, um, yeah, you don't hear that, you know. So to hear Adam Sandler, who is by Adam Sandler, also off screen in real life, is a Jew. He's a Jewish right. guy, right? You know, the move, the Safdie brothers. Uh, this, this essentially was a movie creatively of, about giving from Jewish people. Yeah, you know what I mean. What Jewish people are very responsible for. And this is the first time I've ever heard black Jews mentioned in that fashion. So to see that stone as, I guess, a physical uh, or literal representation, quite literal representation in this movie, mm-hmm. I think, to me personally speaking, uh, as a Hebrew man, there's a spiritual, uh, I guess, sub-literal uh, context with that as well, if I may say. Yeah. Um, and to have Garnett connect with the stone the way he did, and then he looks, and when he gets the stone, like I said, Adam Sandler in the movie tell, shows you, you'll see that he um, has been pursuing this stone for a while. It's not something he just came across. Yeah, you know what I mean? What's something like, he just... It was like 18 months or something like that? I believe that. I don't recall exactly, but it was something like that. That It was, it was a pretty long time and, and quite a bit of an effort and, I guess, money for him to actually get this stone, mm-hmm. you know. Now, why he knew of it, how he learned of it, the movie doesn't really go into all that, but there's a stone that comes out of Ethiopian mountain um, that is mined by Ethiopian or black Jews. I think he said black Jews. In he there, did. In, oh, right, he did. exactly. Yeah, yeah he black showed, Jews. showed the video of them. Right, that, that's what opens the movie. The, yeah. the, the movie opens to them getting this diamond, essentially, that comes to him, but is at the expense, literally... <laughs> Of the blood of a Jew, a black Jew, yeah. an Ethiopian Jew. Yeah. You know, the movie opens to that, yeah. to that scene. And it goes into uh, the movie, you know, with the image of the stone. You right. know what I mean? Taking us to a, which is, you know, I've found to be very, you know, I liked it. The, the, the visual element of that uh, really appealed to me when I saw that. You know, how they took uh, the stone and used the imagery of the stone to connect us to the life of this character, uh, Howard who yeah. is a jeweler, the, the New York uh, jeweler in, in the Diamond District. And uh, ultimately, he gets the stone. My point, he gets the stone out of great ambition. You know, it's something that didn't come to him easy. And he shares this stone with uh, Kevin Garnett. You mm-hmm. know, Garnett is brought there by Lakeith Stanfield's character. Uh, Dimani. Is it, uh, 
Imani, yeah. uh, who's, uh, you know, he's that street dude who's connected to, you know, the stars, so to speak. You know, he's that street hustler dude who has that, that, uh, that Hollywood celebrity connection. Mm-hmm. So he links Kevin Garnett to uh, Howard's character for some jewelry business, which is when Sandler introduces him to this stone that came out of Ethiopia and tells him the story of the stone. He connects not only Garnett with the stone, but the story behind it. All that shit to me is phenomenal meaning, man, yeah. um, in his own right, that that I got from the film, personally. And uh, what really, you know, I, what, what I really enjoyed about how that scene was depicted, and I really got to give the Sappy Brothers respect for even telling the story like this and including this type of uh, uh, plot device, so to speak, you know what I mean, to advance their story. Mm-hmm. I really give them credit for that. I do. You know, I don't know what inspired them to do that. I don't know what led to it. I'm very curious to know the inspiration behind, uh, behind this, you know, them using that as a as an element in that in that screenplay. But um, when Kevin Garnett gets the stone, he looks through it, and there's a scene where you pretty much see like history uh, playing out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it shows his life. It shows his life, and there's there's a recap of history. If I'm not mistaken, it shows him like some other history too, right? Just it shows a vast so. element of black history, period, if yeah. I remember right. Yeah, it flashed, like, it flashed very, his his childhood picture and then like went into like some montage or something like that. Yeah, some montage of, of just of just black people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that to me was worth the whole goddamn movie, man. Yeah. I'm just I'm gonna put it out there. I they will forever have my respect for that. You know, the Safety brothers and you know, whatever was was responsible for that screenplay will have my respect for that because that's something you just don't see. That's a that's an element of, of of our story and our culture, and that we are they do have black Jews, something that you don't really hear talked about in the West too much, mm-hmm. the way you should. Um, I'm that that's that was really phenomenal to see on screen. So, yeah, that and that's a ma- and that stone pretty much is, is a major part of the movie. Like it's it carries this whole movie yeah. in many respects. Because uh, he obtained the stone with the intention on auctioning it off, and he was under the impression that he could get, uh, I guess, his money back plus some. Mm-hmm. I think the stone was he was valuing at like, over a million dollars. Yeah, that he was planning on auctioning. It ended up not being worth that, though. Once he actually got it in uh, in the auction, and from there the movie takes you know certain terms. So. Yeah, just go ahead and talk about that, man. I don't want to dominate this with that. But. No, no, you're good, man. I, I th- this was because um, they actually, you know what? They said that uh, I, I watched an interview. Um, uh, Kevin Garnett was on uh, All the Smoke podcast um, with Matt Barnes and Steven right. Jackson. He said that he wasn't even supposed to be like, like in this film like that. It was just like I think. I think the the moment of him coming into the uh, the jeweler, I think that mm. was supposed to be his only scene. Like he was only supposed to be there for like a day, and mm-hmm. it just, I think that the story of him being connected with this stone kind of like developed as he was on set, and they just kept mm. giving him line after line after line and and to to memorize. And like after after a while, he just realized he had all these pages to to memorize and. I I um I actually thought that their chemistry on screen was perfect. Yeah. And for this to be Kevin Garnett's uh uh, uh first film, I I thought that was I thought that was great. That was excellent 
That was an excellent dynamic. It definitely lets you know that he has the potential to do more. He and does. do pretty much do a lot more on screen. He does. He yeah. does. Um, which would be very interesting to see if they do something else together. Because I'm pretty sure um, this film um, is going to be the, the catalyst for that. I think they're going to end up doing some more films after this. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, they should. Yeah. But yeah, the Stone, man. Yeah, the Stone, as, as far as... Um, Kevin Garnett, man, yeah, he played that very well. I mean, he those did. two, yeah, that 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 one two element of Kevin Garnett being connected to the stone. Because one thing that happens in the movie is um, Sandler's character Howard has problems getting the stone back. Yes, you know, what I mean, which is actually one of the funniest parts of the movie was when uh, the Keith Stanfield's uh, Damani character was just pretty much bullshitting him. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, just when it was that, that uh, concert for the weekend. Right, uh-huh. right. The weekend, man. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. You know, I wouldn't have lost money if you told me the weekend was in here popping, you know, snorting coke. Yeah. And, and fighting, but like, <laughs> shout out to the boldness the weekend got. Yeah. Like, yeah, you get a coked out weekend in this one. So if y'all yeah. interested <laughs> in that, it's definitely worth watching. Yeah. Oh uh, no, it, it really is. But yeah, yeah, I watched this with my son. He didn't believe that was the real weekend. I was like, no, nah, that was oh, the no, damn that weekend. Was him. Yeah, that was the weekend. <laughs> yeah, that was his ass. And Trinidad James too. Yeah, Trinidad James makes an appearance. Yeah, like Cash Out, right? Yeah. Yeah, Cash Out. Who the fuck would have yeah. expected Cash Out? <laughs> <laughs> with Adam Sandler. I mean, damn, life's life's twisting turns, man. Yeah, man. But uh, yeah, that's that's one thing about this movie. You get some interesting uh, faces that pop up in it. Um, some of them I learned of, like the guy who was one of the bookies. I don't know his name, but he apparently is pretty has a, a off-screen personality outside of this movie. Um, one the, the guy that played the jeweler, his uh, co-worker. Oh yeah, he's actually a jeweler in New York. Yeah, I oh, can't call he? his name. Yeah, he's an actual jeweler, which you can kind of see his acting is not that polished. So now nah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, but yeah, he's an actual jeweler in the movie. I mean, in real life. Excuse me. That's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. This movie has a lot of interesting uh, elements to it, man, because it kind of has some. The camera work was kind of because was kind of documentary, yeah, uh, oriented. So you get some interesting shots that that look like they're you know raw and and uh, documentary oriented. So yeah, you get that from it, and and then there's the uh, like I said, the the uh, casting of certain real life people. Mm-hmm. In it, like it's a Trinidad James and shit. So it's, it's it's it it takes some interesting turns, man. They they utilize a lot with this movie, and they did they had a lot of moving parts, but it worked well. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a a, a Bill Simmons produced podcast. I uh, think it's called uh, the Real. I forget. It's one of those Bill Simmons podcasts. So mm-hmm. they actually interviewed the Safety brothers on there, and they were talking about how the audio was was something that they had to put a lot of attention on because, you know, they captured, like, uh, authentic Brooklyn. Uh, I think it was Brooklyn, right? Was uh, it Brooklyn or the Bronx? Manhattan? Was it Manhattan? I'm not sure. New York. It New York. New York. Yeah, New York dialogue. You know what I mean? Just the, the New York uh, vocal energy, audio energy. They captured that in this movie. So it took a lot of effort, you know, to do that. But, you know, when you hear it, you know, that that's what that is. That's them actually... You know, trying to give you an authentic uh, sound yeah. that you get from that, from New York and that element. So, they that was that was something that I paid uh, a little attention to. Um, 
But yeah, man, this one this one dealt a lot with, uh, again, in talking about the, the the crippling addiction of gambling, and that rock played a lot into that because he um, he gambled a whole lot just on many levels. Like one of the conditions that he, because Garnett wanted to borrow the rock, yeah. Garnett, like I said, divinely uh, connected spiritually connected with the rock with the stone. And he wanted to take it with him because in this film, this film takes place in like oh five, so to speak. No, it was oh, this had to be oh nine. Oh, it was oh nine. It had to be oh nine because he already had the championship. So we won the championship in oh eight. So this had to be oh nine ten somewhere around there because okay, um, Celtics versus the Sixers. That was a series they were in the middle right. of. Right. So that was oh nine. No, this had actually this may have been ten. This may have been okay. ten. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, that was the uh, that was when the film takes place during the uh, during that series. So Garnett in this movie is actually in the playoffs. He's like in the in the middle of, of a playoff run. Yeah, and um, one of the conditions that that Adam Sandler ultimately let him borrow the rock on was he had to let him hold his uh, Celtics championship ring. Oh wait, and, baby. Uh, yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> Yeah, but um, so he gets the damn ring, and uh, he pawns it. You know what I mean? He For pawns twenty five thousand, right? Uh, something in that neighborhood. Yeah, like big money. So he can like make another bet. Money. Right. So he pawns the ring, and um, you know, ultimately, uh, like you said, bets the money, and he had, but he hits though. Yeah. You know, what I mean? he makes a hit with the with the, with the bet. And that's the worst thing, from what I understand, that can happen to a gambling addict is when they actually win. Yes. <laughs> because there's there's never any end to it, you know what I mean, to them controlling it. So, yeah, man, just, just expound on that if you want to, if you can take it from there. Oh, just man. that part of the movie. That actually, I, I was actually nervous when, when he pawned that ring. Um because because I'm a Celtics fan, so that's that was the reason why I was so nervous. But um, I didn't think they were going to hit, and then it ended, like you said, it ended up being a really bad thing because he 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 got like this. Um, uh, Howard got like this real high from it to 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 do more, um, which ended right. up messing him up further down the line. But um, he did hit. Um, I think he what was I think he, he, he pawned the ring and he was gonna come back and buy it back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was a fucking addict. Yeah. And I think when you're an addict, you you got whatever intention you want, but ultimately you don't give a shit. Yeah. If you ever get the ring well, back. Well you, you see he forgot no, that he had it there. When, well, when, he, when yeah, Kevin no, came I, back to get it. He forgot I don't think that he, he forgot. I don't think he just gave a fuck. I think he uh from what I got from the film he pawned that ring, you know, completely focused on getting the money to, to feed his problem, right. which is gambling, right? Right. So when he actually came back to get the ring, I think his every intention was to tell him some shit, exactly what he told him. But he was going to get that rock back regardless because he wanted to get that money yeah. for, for the auction, to auction it off. So that I mean, that to me was a, pretty much just an a, 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 a expression of his problem. That he did something that damn reckless, yeah, and 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 that careless, you know what I mean, to pawn this NBA superstar's ring, not concerned about the consequences as, as if he never could get it back. 
Like he, but he's an addict. That's addict shit. Yeah. That's like an addict giving you that damn car for a couple of grams of cocaine. I guess. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's that's you know that's I guess that's the type of shit that the addicts do. But yeah, that that was a no. He. I don't think me personally by talking about that scene. I don't think he ever gave a fuck about getting that ring back too much. Yeah, that that was that wasn't the real concern of his, but um, he but he ultimately ended up doing it because because he actually hit. Now I don't remember the details of of the gambling and the shit because the one thing that that the Safety brothers did talk about in that podcast that I listened to is that they kind of had some educated, um, I guess particular focus on the, the gambling lingo and just the particulars of how that gambling shit works, mm-hmm. the odds and the stakes, and it seemed that that uh, Sandler's character was. Uh, was pretty uh pretty well versed, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. in 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 finding things to 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 sweeten his uh, you know his best, you know what oh, I mean, yeah. like as far as the the over and under shit and the rebounds that that you know that Kevin Garnett that the, the real particular gambling shit yeah that gamblers focus on with some of these games, so you get that in this movie, you know what I mean, because from, from what I understand, this movie does it a little different than other gambling movies. Or yeah. gambling based movies, you know, with the, in the story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, he, he, I see, he did hit, but then um, that one dude uh, that was his brother, I think his name was Arnold, um, ended up canceling the the bet, and that, that's when um, remember that's when they 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 technically kidnapped him from from the school play. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which... I don't know if that was his brother. I think that was his uh, probably his cousin or something. He definitely was related to. He him. was related right. to him. Yeah. 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 Arno, my bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. That that was very. See, the thing that confused me about that part was how did he cancel the bet? See, that must he was a bookie. He was some kind of bookie. His his, oh. his relative it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he had a relationship with the bookie world. And okay. I guess you know when you got that kind of clout within that within that world, you can you can make maneuvers like that. That's what I got from it. But yeah, okay. he was actually a bookie. He just happened to be related to him. Okay. And he was that fucking around with his money. You know what I mean? It's Adam Sandler was fucking around with his money. Yeah. And he had the result into to getting these goons to uh, staying on his ass to get his money back. You know. Yeah. And there were two characters uh, in the movie. Um, I don't know their names, but. There, uh, there were two characters in the movie who were pretty much kicking his ass through the whole movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? They would kidnap him, snatch him up. Um, as you mentioned, they follow him to his uh, daughter's uh, play or whatever, or recital at school. And that's what bookies do. They, the, shit that, that, the shit that bookies do, they ride your ass <laughs> yeah. for uh, their client's money. But they took a, diff- uh, a, a pretty deep approach, took a pretty serious approach to getting their money back with this dude. You can tell that they didn't like Adam Sam. They didn't at all. Particularly one in particular who serves a pretty explosive role part to the film. But um but yeah, he's got bookies on his ass and that's a that that's an interesting part of the movie because this one particular bookie, as you mentioned, is related to him. And we kinda learned that at a Jewish uh Passover festival or or expression that the family has. He he, he comes. He, he's a Jew in the movie, and he uh, comes from a Jewish family, obviously. And they have a Passover uh, uh, celebration that um, that we meet his relatives. I think it's his cousin. I don't think it's his brother. 
I could be wrong, but from when I walked away, he was like a cousin or something like that. Okay. And um, we see that he is. This is where he makes it gets inspiration for another bet that he ends up making. But um, ultimately, the cousin wants his money. Yeah. You know, he, he wants his money and he's losing his patience and he's got these two, these two goons uh, on his ass. Nico and Phil. Those guys. Yeah. Um, on his ass, and, and they pretty brutal to us. I actually felt bad for Sandler in this one, man. I did, too. Yeah, I, I felt bad for him because it's like he was constantly devolving Yeah. in this movie. That's one thing about this movie that kind of makes it the drama and the tragedy of it is that, you know, it's lighthearted, right? It's not a, it's not a depressing movie, like the shit you talk about with child <laughs> abuse and abduction and, and whatever the fuck else that you tend to be drawn to. Um, but this, shit. you you um you don't have that in this movie. It's like it's not like a dark movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even though there's a weird, like I said, documentary type of feel to it. It's kind of raw. Yeah. But um, it's not a depressing movie. There there's some some real funny parts of this movie. It's Adam Sandler. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So you still get some pretty solid comedy in this movie that comes with a lot of darkness to it because this movie essentially is about a man devolving into his death. Yeah. You know, you're watching this man, you know, devolve into his grave due to addiction. It's just like a crackhead who can't get off that pipe mm-hmm. and you watch him day after day after day suck this glass dick until he just dies. <laughs> you know, or then this dude who can't keep the powder out of his mouth, you know what I mean? He's just coking his damn like Cat Williams say, you just people smoking their kneecaps off. You know, you just you you're watching this shit until they're just dead. You know, yeah. addiction. We, we see that with gambling addiction in this movie. How this dude and it's and it's so bad. It's weird because this is a man that's really successful. Yeah. You know, this character was not like, oh man, you fucked up. Like when a crackhead. You know what I mean? You 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 look at a motherfucker going crack. You see, man, you are fucked up. Yeah. You know, you can you can see the fucked upness. Yeah. Of a crackhead, it's pretty obvious. Even a cokehead, and the cokeheads are the worst, man. Oh. Because cokeheads get on that shit, they don't think they fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> they fuck, you know, I grew up in the hood, man. I, I, got, I got some in the family, so I know. Okay, all right. So, yeah. uh, so that's that's what kept me from coke was growing up around cokehead motherfuckers, and them motherfuckers don't see the coked upness that they walk in, and that's scary. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but you know, with gambling addiction, and I'm I learned it from this movie is that this motherfucker was successful. Yeah, and he was functioning. Pretty, yeah. I mean, he, had, he was driving a nice Benz. He had two homes he was maintaining, an apartment for his hoe, and a, a one for his wife that hated him. That was pretty much ready to leave his ass. Um, the man, you know, was replacing Cartier. Was that Cartier frames and shit? Yeah, you know, what I mean? yeah, he had Cartier Cartier frames. I mean. Diamonds, Rolexes, the dude was living a decent life, a good life. Yeah. But you're watching him devolve into death, which we'll get to later. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it just shows that gambling addiction has that ability. And because you're dealing with money, um, I guess you're able to conceal it a lot easier um, because there's really no physical deterioration as you get with alcoholism and, mm-hmm. and coke and whatever the hell else motherfuckers get strung out on, you know. Um but yeah, that that was an interesting element of the movie, man. That that he just didn't see himself, and it's a dark. That's the dark part of the movie. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, he definitely did not. He was not aware of his own destruction. No, he wasn't. But and speaking of his wife, who uh, she's actually a, a real Jew in real life as well. 
um, the character, uh, if you can find her name, because I don't have it in front of me. But uh, she which was a good role. His wife played a good role. And she played a woman that detested him. You know, pretty much that one that's sick of your shit. Every addict has that motherfucker and they like to just sick of their shit. Yeah. You know, and is tired of dealing with them. But they deal with them from a perspective of love. Uh, Dina, Dina Ratner. Yes, very good. Very, uh, very solid role she held down playing Adam Sandler's wife and the mother of his kid. You know, I think he might have had two kids in this movie. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, but um, you know, very good movie. I mean, very good role she held down in this movie, and because she played the 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 fed up wife, you know, yeah. the one who just saw through his bullshit, and you know, she was there, you know, to the extent that she could. And I think that was one of the saddest scenes in this movie, um, was the end scene, which we'll, I'll get to in a second. Mm-hmm. But she actually had it was a very quick scene, but it was towards the end, and she had one, you know, she kind of gave and was a part of one of the saddest parts of this movie. Mm-hmm. But um, she was also, you know, sick of his shit. Um, there was a very, again, man, the the lightheartedness of this movie was actually showing you the saddest shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there was a scene in this movie where, you know, he, in his mind, really thought he had a chance to repair his marriage, right? Yeah. And it was after the um, the Passover dinner. Was it was it during the Passover celebration? Right, right oh, when they were about to was, leave. It was, it was that or some other family. No, it, uh, it was that. It was that. Okay, yeah. so it was during the Passover celebration. He's talking to his wife, and I I can understand what's going on in his mind. He's like, okay, we're among family, we're having a good time, everything's jolly shit. Let mm-hmm. me talk about getting back with my wife. Yeah, most motherfuckers would assume that. Yeah, because you know, his his like his uh his side chick was he and, uh, she was messing around with the weekend. Yeah. Right, and he pretty much wrote her off, and yeah. she played a very solid role with that. Man. I I give her credit for that role in so many ways, man. She it wasn't just a typical. It was. She was written very well. I put it like that. Julia, yeah, she. she Julia's was... character, which is this is her breakout film. They wrote her very well in this movie. She man. did a phenomenal job. She just went the, the the piece of ass, airheaded, mm-hmm. uh, old digging type bra in this yeah. movie. They they wrote her very well in this movie, and I'll yeah. get to that in a second. But yeah, you're right. In this particular scene, Adam Sandler's dealing with his wife. He's under the impression that he's cut the side piece off because you know he he you know kind of caught her with the weekend. He, she was getting coked up with the weekend, mm-hmm. and and the club, and he busted her. He was done with her, so he's looking at this as an opportunity to uh, redefine his marriage. Um, but his wife literally laughs in his face. Yeah. You know, <laughs> she literally laughs in his face. And I think she says something about you agitate me or you irritate me or you annoy me. Yeah, if I, you I know, wish and, I didn't and, have to look at you. Right. Yeah. I mean, and then that shit just, that was some cold shit, man. Like, it was just a, a very hard scene to watch. You yeah. know what I mean? A very hard scene to watch, because it was it was it was pretty much a reality check that he needed. It just got too late. Mm-hmm. You no, know, that was a reality check that he really needed, but it didn't have any effect on him. So that pushes him. Uh, you know, he you know well he leaves that situation. He is pushed deeper into his addiction because uh, that particular bit that he discovered all that he determined that he was going to do it at, at that time um, actually hit again, right? Yeah. But um, that's but he couldn't profit from it because I think this is when the scene is came from was uh, when the uh, cousin do cut it off. Is that the bit that he cut off? No. I get, I get 
messed up. It's, still, it's like three essential bets he makes in this movie. Yeah, so right? the, the one where the cousin cut it off was when they were at the um at the school play right before the Passover. Because you remember when they were in the audience, they were asking each other what was it, you know their plans for the Passover and stuff like that. Um, so that was I think that was the very first that was the first bet that happened. And then um a little bit later that's when this whole thing happened at the at the house when she told him they're not getting back together and stuff like that. Because um, actually when they left that party they had to stop at his apartment with with the side chick. Right. Um which was crazy. I don't even know. I, I was literally sitting there just like in awe almost because like how do you even figure out to tell your wife I need to go to my apartment to pick something up that I kicked the side chick out of? Right. How do you do that? But he didn't do it. And he he didn't. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> he didn't do it. But the son kind of knew the what son, was it. The son was very curious. And I'm sorry, they had three kids um, in this one, but yeah, they um, that son was very nosy. Yeah, very nosy, and and um, actually, that's where the scene you see another um, uh, cameo from John Amos because he played the. Oh name. yeah, that was a great cameo. That was that was awesome. That was awesome. A great cameo. Him. Yeah. Yeah, we forgot him. Yeah, John Amos. Uh, yeah. Pops up, and he actually is the real John Amos. The real John Amos, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I, I, that whole he thing tells his son to respect him. He's a legend. Yeah. Because you know, he, he wouldn't let him use his bathroom. Yeah. 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 That was Very, that was really interesting. Um. But uh, the 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 side chick was actually trying to put the apartment on um on eBay, or on mm-hmm. Craigslist. Craigslist, I think. Right. Um, which that was, I was try, I couldn't figure out what was he picking up from the apartment at that point. I don't remember, man. I want to say, I guess, but like like what you just said, he was checking on the apartment. Yeah, he looked like you know, he was just trying to see if she was gone or something. Right. I don't think he right. actually got anything from there. Right, right. We could be wrong about that, but you know, y'all y'all will check that out in the movie. So, but yeah, I think he just wanted to stop by there, and he, he would, and he had his wife and kids in the car. When he stopped by the apartment, he yeah, shared. Yeah, she did send him that link. While but she kind of knew what was up, though. You kind of get the impression that she might knew what was up, too. Though. Yeah, yeah, because the wife saw the pictures of the apartment uh, and didn't even bat an eye. She was like, whatever, and just kept yeah. going about her business. Um, right, because she didn't care. At that point, she was detached from the relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which makes me wonder, like, why was she, why was she still there? Like, what? Well, there was an agreement. Yeah, you you get you catch it early in the movie. They had an agreement to stay together until after Passover, which was that celebration that they were attending together. Right, right. But yeah. So because she wanted divorce, she was ready for the divorce, but they had an agreement after the Passover. I don't remember them ever talking about divorce. Well, I mean, he she she laughed in his face, you know, when he tried to because he he made an attempt to reconcile the marriage. Yeah. So after that, I think it was pretty much established that yeah, she she didn't want him anymore, and they were going in that direction of divorce, because from there he um he actually took the mistress back. She, right. She, because she actually loved that dude. She you know, did. She, she got him. his 
got a tattoo of his name. <laughs> now that that wasn't a display of love to define the love, <laughs> I would say. But I, I think it was a minor display of it. Stories, man, with chicks with tattoos, with dudes tattoos name on them. That don't mean shit. I'm telling you. It does. Matter of fact, I'm gonna send. Let me pause this for a minute. Yeah. And just send a word to guys. <laughs> you think that getting your girl's name tattooed on you makes her any more faithful without it? You fooling yourself. That's uh, uh, semantics, bro. Oh, you know, look, you playing games. You remember, that you remember, means you remember, Tim, you remember Tim's wife, Wendy. You, okay, you calling some serious names? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, D. All right, well, no, my edit. That's I, what it is. I mean, come <laughs> on. I mean, you know. <laughs> Hey, anyway, nobody knows what the hell's going on right now because we're gonna have to edit this shit. But anyway, uh, I'll that, leave that one in, man. I'll call her no, out. No, man, come on, dude. All right, that's you. This is OTS. I'll this call is, her out, man. That's the OTS thing. But anyway, <laughs> shit. Uh, um. So yeah. The toe tattoo thing, bro. That don't. That doesn't. That's not a, a prevention of anything, man. Yeah, not at all. If, if she if she would do it without a tattoo, I promise you, she would do it with one. Oh, most definitely. Right? So anyway, but anyway, fuck that. So she gets a tattoo <laughs> of his name, yes, on on, on the booty, and yeah. but that's in her mind, an expression of her dedication. She wants to. She makes a pursuit for this dude's heart, right? Mm -hmm. So her character, you know, does love this guy. There's some love there, not because of that particularly, but. He actually utilizes her to feed the addiction. You know what I mean? She she aids in the best addiction, and she's very essential in a bet that was supposed to save his life. Yes. Right. Yes. But ultimately didn't yes. save his life. Um, and she pursued him. You know, she 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 repaired. She made a, a real serious effort to repair the relationship. You know, even though he cast her out, and you know, what I mean, just kind of was done with her. She does make a pursuit to some extent, to save the relationship. And I, I would say from what I got from the movie, there was love there. You oh, know what I mean? I don't, I don't think it was bullshit with, with, with that particular character. Um, but, you know, uh, we talked about this bet, the, the, the final bet, which I, I'm not even going to try to explain, man. I would rather y'all just go ahead and watch the movie, man. I don't want to try to explain these bets and shit because I will say, to me, that was the, uh, the blind spot of the movie for me. I'm not well-versed in sports gambling at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the world. I don't really know the language. And there was a little bit of that in here in this movie. A lot of it. And, and, and yeah, a lot of it. And but it wasn't. It didn't throw you off. No. From the movie. You know what I mean? It didn't make the movie something you couldn't engage with. But it's something that I can't uh, just reiterate to y'all because I don't know the shit. You know. Yeah. And I didn't really put a lot of focus on it. It's kind of like you know Hunters. If I kind of kind of pause this a little bit. Mm -hmm. And make a critique of Hunters and make a, a heads up about Hunters, the Al Pacino show on Amazon. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of particulars in that show that make it uh, not hard to follow the show, but you know, it, it does, you know, affect watching it. Okay. You know, I found that in this movie too. And that, that show actually deals with Jews since we go start talking about Jews. I'm gonna go back to that <laughs> and just say, yeah, the Hunters deals with Jews in a yeah. very intimate way. Yeah. Um, as this film does. Which is why I like both of them a lot. But anyway, back to Uncut. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, there's a lot of sports gambling uh, vernacular and politics and shit that, that you got to kind of catch up on or be aware of, I guess, to be able to reiterate. So the bet that ultimately, uh, I would say it was his final bet, 
just watch the movie because I'm not going to go into that. But he is dealing with uh, the Celtics in the playoffs. And I think the, the, the bet with this one, if it had hit, would hit him at like a million dollars, right? This is like a million yeah. million dollar plus bet. Yeah. Uh, uh, bag he was on. Yeah, because he and, made um, side, um, like little side bets as well to mm-hmm. build that that price up, like controlling the tip off. Um, I think a specific number of rebounds or something like that for Garnett specifically. Right. Very yeah. specific bet, you know yeah. what I mean? It put the odds way up there, right? Yeah. So the the odds were for this particular bet that he had crafted together with the help of Julia, who takes the, the bag of money that he pretty much got from selling, uh, I think it was uh, was it over $700,000 or something like that. Hundred thousand? I don't know. How much is um, uh, one hundred seventy-five thousand for the the stone? Yeah, that he sold one seventy-five. One seventy-five. That was a whole auction. I don't want to go into all that because that's yeah. that's a lot of movie. But there was a whole auction that he actually does, uh, that actually plays out in the movie. He doesn't get anywhere near what he wants for the rock. Yeah. Um, he ends up getting a family member caught up in the bet, which ultimately leads him to get the money that uh, that which ultimately leads to him actually getting the stone back. But he has to sell it to Garnett now, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because the auction didn't pan out. But Garnett actually ends up with the stone in the movie. The Garnett goes back to I would rather I would phrase as it's right for owner. Right. So I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, Garnett gets the stone. He pays a hundred. I want to say 170 some thousand. It was 175. Yeah, for the stone. He takes that money and instead of taking care of the gambling debt. This is where the, this is pretty much the end of the movie. Towards the end, we talking about now, where we got his cousin. I'm gonna call him his cousin. He could. I don't get that he's his brother in this movie. Yeah, um, it probably is a cousin. But it'd be interesting if he was his brother. It really would be. But I'm gonna say it's his cousin. And um, he um, he actually, even though he's in pretty pretty deep with his cousin, he has the money from the stone sale, but he doesn't give it to him. He does what an addict does. Mm-hmm. In mid conversation with uh Clark Garnett, he gets this this Jones, this fix that he you know, this uh itch I should say, for you know, where he bets every damn thing. Yeah. From from the from the uh sell of that stone on his game. The his sixes his uh Celtic Sixers playoff game. Yeah. And he calls his girl Julia in and she facilitates the bet for him. Mm-hmm. Right? In a in a in a casino which I believe it's Atlantic City. She goes to New Jersey. She takes a ride to New Jersey. Yeah, and goes to gamble the money. Um, but you know he, he still has his debt. So his cousin and the two, the two goons that he has uh, on payroll to pretty much antagonize and, and ride Adam Sandler's ass are at the jeweler expecting their money, right? Um, with which they do not get. Um, from there, uh, they pretty much determine. I don't know because after he tells them they don't have, they rough him up a little bit as they did the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But after he tells them that that he ain't got their money, um, there they leave. I guess it, the intention is to kill his ass at some point after that. Uh, I don't know if that's really clear, but, but they they leave him alone when they discover he ain't got the money, right? They they pretty much leave. Uh, leave. They tried to leave. Well, but but no, well they tried to leave, but they ultimately. I mean, I, I believe they left with intention on killing his ass at some later point. Anyway, uh, at some point, 
You're talking about after Julia after made that they, bet? After he told them, I didn't have the money. Oh, no, actually, they were going after Julia. They were going after, yeah, they, they, they sent they one guy. Julie. They sent one guy to go uh, yeah, all after the, Julia. All of them were ultimately leaving to go after that money. They were going to take that money. Yeah. That's what right? Yeah. So after they discovered he didn't have money, they, they leave him alone. They go after Julia to get the money. But there's a this is the Diamond District in New York. So, like, everywhere in New York uh, of that capacity, they have a real tight security system um, where he, they ha you have to exit two secure doors. You have to be let out mm -hmm. uh, of two secure, secure doors in order to get out. Well, Adam Sandler's door is faulty in the film, and it ultimately locks them in the damn, uh, in between the exit and the entrance, in a, in a small room between glass security doors. They're trapped inside the damn uh, jewelry store, basically. And they, from there, watch Adam Sandler <laughs> watch uh, four quarters of basketball. <laughs> in, yeah. in, trapped in, the, in, a, uh, in a doorway, so to speak, a hallway, a glass hallway. Bulletproof glass. That's some, that's some crazy shit because yeah. um, he watches the entire game. And you got this uh, goon dude, the the the, the uh, bookie dude, who's in there, and he he's he's somewhat calm, right? Mm -hmm. he, he pretty much is, you know. He, they they demand to be let out initially, but kind of make peace with the fact this motherfucker's not gonna let them out. Yeah. And he's pretty much calm in there, but looking back on it, and going into the ending, mm -hmm. he, in his mind, you already know what he's settled on doing. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's a very eerie element. Uh, of the film, you know that you got this guy sitting in there. You got Adam Sandler, who's ultimately winning all the odds of the full of the whole game, mm -hmm. right? But this guy, this bookie guy, um, is sitting in there, and he's made a very, very lethal decision in his mind. He's content with it. He's just saying, he just, he just basically, and this is hindsight. I'm talking about it, mm -hmm. but he's just basically sitting there, like you know, yeah, yeah. Just as soon as you let me out of here. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fate eventually arrives. Adam Sandler wins the bet. He's a million. He wins the, the bet. You know, he's got over a million dollars in 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 uh, gambling winnings that he just won because the Celtics won that series. Naturally, you attribute it to, you know, the relationship with the, with the, with the Ju black Jew stone. Yeah. Uh, that's in there, which uh, which was deep. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It was deep. Again, I, I salute the Safety brothers told a big story in this movie. I don't know if they know it or not, but they told a huge story in this movie. But ultimately, he wins, the, he wins the Garnett uh, and the Celtics win that series, as we know. Um, and that leads to Sandler winning the bet. He, it's well over a million dollars. Of course, he's elated. His girl, Julia, is elated. Um, I think his son's aware of the bet that he made. You know, he, he's, he's happy, um, at least for the, for the Celtics. It, uh, I don't know, but it, the son, as we see, was aware of it, and yeah. as uh, it was like he was grooming his son to be a uh, a gambler too. Right. Yeah. Right. And um, so uh, naturally, Sandler uh, or Howard, he lets him out. You know, he decides to let him out of the enclosed area that he had them trapped in because he he didn't let them out to leave because he knew he was going to pursue his girl and get that money. So he wins the bet. He ultimately lets him out and. The scene where everybody who I know saw that scene, just the, the only response was "damn." That you can really like "damn." Yeah. Was when that scene played out, 
and it was uh, it pretty much was the bookie who just shot him in the face. He yeah. he, that, I mean, he he did not pass go. He, <laughs> he he made a direct line to his ass and put a bullet in Howard's head. I mean, right as soon there. as that door got open, too. I mean, as soon as he saw air the, the, from that door opening, it was bullet in your ass. Bro. Uh, in your head, rather. I'm not even going to lie. Shocking I didn't see that shit. coming. Nobody, I don't think nobody saw that shit coming watching this movie, bro. I didn't I, see I know that when movie. I saw it, my response was, damn. And when my son watched it later, I watched it with him a second time, his response, damn. And I think everybody that I talked to about this movie was like, yeah, man, when I saw that, all I could say was, damn. Yeah. You know, and I hope I, again, you know, spoiler, my bad. But, you know, yeah, so he comes out of, the, of that closet, man, to do, I don't know what character he was. Uh, I, I don't know his name. Who? But the character who shot him, actually uh, shot Phil. him in the face. So, yeah, yeah, Phil. But like I said, rewind, rewind a little bit. Because when you when I watch that movie a second time, I'm like, this motherfucker is in there like I'm gonna shoot the shit out of you. Yeah. As soon as I get the opportunity. Yeah. You a dead motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And knowing knowing that watching the movie is still as that element of like that you don't lose it. Yeah. You know, so you can watch it two or three times and see that same ending two or three times. Mm-hmm. And it kinda get like, man, this shit is eerie, man. That motherfucker's sitting there like, Yeah, you a dead motherfucker. Yeah. And it's on his face, like it's in the character. Yeah, it's in the characters. But yeah, so uh, yeah, that's and that's I guess the end, man. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, still, as soon as Sandler won the bet, he wins the bet. He lets him out of the room, and he he gets his head a bullet in his head. Yeah, not just him though. Arno does too. Well, that, and that's what lets you know there was a there was a family connection there that that he still honored because he was not. Looking for that shit, and nor was he cool with that shit. Yeah. And why he panicked and thought he could escape out of a locked room yeah. with a motherfucker with a gun? I don't know what what that was about because that was part of the dumbest part of the scene. Like, dude, you <laughs> you thought you were just gonna bail out of that motherfucker? Yeah. And out from his gun. <laughs> yeah. But that's what got him killed. The, the cousin, whatever, you know, he tried to. There was nothing that could be done. Adam Sandler was a dead motherfucker. Like that was yeah. that. You, you couldn't like save I him. said. Who you know was zero to sixty with that shit? Shot like he right was under the eye. And he, that was his intention. Like that's yeah. what was crazy about that scene, throughout that whole fucking scene. When you go back and watch that movie, you can see it on the character. Like he, you can see it on the character. I'm gonna kill you. Mm-hmm. Like your dead motherfucker was all over that character, and he yeah. was just content with that shit. Yeah, sitting there the whole time. Because it it reads as him being annoyed when you right. watch it the first time. Right. It reads as as highly annoyed. Let me go. Type of thing. Settle as cold blooded killer. That I'm shooting the shit out of you. I don't give a fuck yeah. what that gang does. Yeah. Like I'm shooting the shit out of you. You're a dead motherfucker. When I get out of here, as soon yeah. as you let me out, like your ass is, is is off. Yeah. And that's exactly how that scene played out. Just like that. Um, there's really not much to say on that, except for the cousin character just lost his shit and went went totally stupid because uh instead of him playing that shit cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He ain't no need. Ain't no need. Both of us die. He, he was the street dude. <laughs> no, he wasn't about the, the murder life of the streets at no. all. No. <laughs> 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 yeah, that shit wasn't a part of his repertoire as a as a as a long shot. No. Like murder was not in my portfolio, man. No. Because when he saw his cousin or whatever laying there dead, his shit dropped. 
He tried to make a mad dash for a double door secured room and ended up getting his head blown off. So it was yeah. two dead Jews um, right there that ended this movie. Yeah. Where they proceeded to rob a fully surveillance laced jewelry store uh, by bashing out all the glass and I guess taking the jewelry. I don't know what ultimately led to that ending, but I'm pretty sure that they didn't get away with that scot free man in Manhattan. Yeah. Two dead bodies. And security you know, cameras, security cameras, and, and a double uh, secure bulletproof door. I'm, I'm gonna assume that that was just a reflex crime. Yeah. But, uh, but that was the end, and <laughs> and it ends with the same uh, uh, visual uh, similarity that the movie started with, with us actually kind of going inside the bullet hole head of. Uh, of uh, of uh, Adam Sandler, which I just realized, you know, the movie kind of started with a, a, a scene that emulated we were going through his asshole. Oh. <laughs> wait, and, wait, what? Yeah, that was his asshole in the beginning of the movie. It, the, the the image is his asshole from the rock to the, his asshole when he was getting the colonoscopies. You don't remember that? It was oh, the beginning of the movie. That's right. Yeah, I'm sure there's some some allegorical shit. I don't want to fuck with with that. But Jesus, man. Yeah, there was there. We, we, we start going through his asshole, and we <laughs> end with his head. Well, coming out of it. No, we were in his asshole. The movie was was <laughs> asshole. With whole fucking, uh, 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 what is the shit? A colonoscopy. No, yeah. the colon. Yeah, the colon. Yeah. Uh, but there was something. The uh. God, I forget, but yeah, the colonoscopy, which is yeah, because that that's actually another part of it. He cold, actually cold is another word I'm looking for, but the asshole essentially. You he, know, <laughs> they were the, doing the a colonoscopy because he thought, his yeah, they <laughs> they thought he had uh, colon cancer. Right. Yeah. That, that opens the movie. Yeah. Oh, we we see a, a, a internal journey through the stone. The stone opens the movie. Yeah. With the black, black Jews. Yeah. Stone opens the movie. There's a camera effect that takes us through an internalization of the stone, which ultimately develops to be Adam Sandler's colon. Yes. We see uh, travel through his colon, which is an asshole, essentially, right? <laughs> okay, so yeah, yeah. it begins going up his asshole, and it ends going through his head. <laughs> That's the movie. That's Uncut Gems. That's what it is. Oh God! Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this. <laughs> and I'm gonna say I like the movie. I really, really like the movie. Uh, it was elements of this movie that I did not expect. The cameos, um, like I said, the real world references, oh, the God. the 2010, <laughs> the 2010 playoffs as it played out. Kevin Garnett's performance, awesome. Lakeith Stanfield, awesome as usual. I gotta see him in Knives Out too, by the way. I gotta. Um, I, I still need. I still need to see that movie. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, I would say a very good movie, man. I recommend it. No Chase Film Society. Check that one out. Most Adam definitely. Sandler. It's you. If you're gonna talk about the top ten of Adam Sandler, here's one for it. Here's one for that Adam Sandler top ten. Oh yeah. He should. He should have got acknowledged by the uh, Academy, man. The Academy are a bunch of motherfuckers and assholes, you yeah. know. And and I and I'll never really understand the basis in which they look at the merit of a movie, but I mean, God, he, it's Adam Sandler, he fits the quota. I don't know. He, anyway, he should have got acknowledged. He did get snubbed. 
Yeah. Um, this was a good movie. Um, big salute to the Safdie brothers. They got some stuff out there that was talked about before this, which I don't really know much about. But um, I'm definitely going to look them up and check out some more of their work. Um, for a screenplay, excellent screenplay, excellent cinematography, great mm-hmm. direction. Casting was on point. They did a good job with the casting. Some of the best casting I did, I saw from a movie from last year. Yeah. Um, good job, man. Great movie. Yeah. Great movie. I recommend it. Most it's definitely. on you, man. Uh, yeah, I recommend it too. That's again, that's probably my favorite uh, Sandler movie. I, 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 that was just very well done. Like you said, mm-hmm. perfect casting, um, great writing. It was just, it was all around an, an excellent film from start to finish. I highly recommend that one. Same here. Yeah, Same I actually, here. I might actually go buy that one. I think so too. I'm gonna add that one to the yeah. collection, man. Cause that's one of the ones you want to see again. Like I said, yeah. I spoiled a lot of this, and you should not watch, should not listen to this podcast if you're sensitive about spoilers. Yeah. But um, this movie, there's there's always this is one of those movies that's something to see a second and a third time. Oh yeah, you know, it's a Most lot definitely. going on, in this movie, particularly with the gambling element of it. You know, you're not gonna catch all that at one time. You don't have to to enjoy it. But the gambling elements of the movie, you want to see a second and a third time. The ending, you want to see a second and a third time, man. Yes. Because, like I said, the, even though when you first watch it, you know, you don't expect that shit. That's the last thing you think is going to happen. This man is him getting his head blown off. Yeah. Um, but he does. And you just kind of watch it again, knowing, like, dude, you know. But I was going to mention, <clears throat> speaking of the, 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 uh, the ending, before I close, the saddest scene in this movie, to me, the saddest scene in this movie is to see his wife, mm-hmm. right? In the end, there's there's a whole montage that plays in the end. They use montage very well in this movie, man. Oh, yeah, they do. But uh, there's a there's like a little bit of a montage, so to speak, at the end where you see, he, he, after he's dead, after he gets his head blown off, um, you see his girlfriend uh, um, getting the money from the uh, the mold that she used mm-hmm. to to went to place the bed for her, and you see that she's just totally unaware of what she's going on to, yeah. you know. Um, you see that uh, there's his son, um, there's different parts of his family, different friends. You know, see you see different people in his life. Yeah. That 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 are after this bed, after you know, of of that that are involved in things, you know, after the bed has been placed and after Adam Sandler has won the bed. And one of those scenes is his wife, and she's wherever she is among friends and family. And she hasn't heard from him or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, and she makes a, a, a comment. There's a line she has, and I'm, I may not be saying it verbatim, but there's a line she has where she's like, I got to check on him. I haven't heard from him or something. He must be dead or something like that. It's something of that nature. But, I didn't catch that. She said that. Yeah, man. Yeah. Watch that. See what I'm saying? Like, watch the end of that movie. She she says, it's very quick because, like I told you earlier, right, the audio is very natural in this movie. Yeah. There's a very naturalistic uh, audio, uh, audio element, you know, sound quality to the film. So there's a lot of talking over each other. There's a lot of, uh, you know, talking over each other and, and uh, or talking over music and all that type of shit. Mm-hmm. So you can miss it. But I heard it. I heard it in this movie. There's wow. a, at the end of the at the end of the film, she's like, "Give me the phone. I need to call him. I haven't heard from him. He must be dead, or he could be dead, or something like that." And he actually is fucking dead, you know. Jeez. So I mean, that's the saddest, saddest part of the movie. 
Saddest fucking part of the movie was to see that. And this is his ex-wife, right? The woman who pretty much hates him. Yeah. The woman that pretty much is, is done with him. But you still see that there's a connection that she has with him. Yeah. And not just that. The, like, he's the father of her kids. Children, you know? Yeah. It, you know, there's a lot to be said about that. There's a lot to be said about that. But Jeez. to me, it was a sad scene in the movie. So, And this is the, this is the end of it. And that's the end of the movie. So, therefore, this is the end of the podcast. Um... You recommend it? I said, you know, as Derek said, he recommend he recommends it. Um, I recommend it. Check it out. Uh, definitely a four or five star film from uh, Safety Brothers. Most definitely. All right, man. So that's another one for the books, D. Yes, sir. Check us out. Uh, give your Instagram and everything to him. Oh yeah, uh, OTS guys. Uh, look it up. All social media platforms. Um, also OTSguys.com. Uh, you can see the. Uh, new episodes for all the podcasts uh, uh, that that we have going on, especially uh, No Chase Film Society. Um, just go on there, check that out. Yeah, call um, them out, man. That's that's all from the from from the from the fam, man. Oh uh, yeah, real ish. Yeah, we got real ish. Uh, uh, sideline guys. Um, life's a botch. Um, God, the Boulevard Perennial Powerhouse Podcast. Um. And I might be missing one other one. I might be. I well, check them out. Go to the yeah. go to the IG page. Check them out. Um, we're all individuals, so please don't associate the debauchery you get from this podcast <laughs> to what those fine people do over there. Uh, I'm sure they're a lot more civil <laughs> than how we get down over here. But hey, you know, um, diversify, man. Diversify. Diversity is the whole. There's a whole portfolio. Of, seriously, there's a whole portfolio of good content. Derek and the OTS team are putting together over there. Um, I'm glad to be a part of it myself. It's only the beginning. He has a lot of great ideas, a lot of good content coming, in addition to this one right here with No Chase Film Society. So stay close, man. Follow him on the ground. And uh, it's me as well. I am Chris Ali, S-A-L-E-E, and the No Chase Film Society, NC Film Society on Instagram. Give us your feedback. Uh, in between time, man, I'm done with it. Watch a damn movie.